0: Binge Movies, the revolutionary force in movie reviews. Coming to you from the last video store in This is the show that ranks and eliminates movies to determine which ones are most worthy of preservation for all time, even beyond the end times. On this episode, we rank George A. Romero's Dead Series. In all my uh, adventures in podcasting, only one has ever felt like Listen, let me put you like this. Have you ever been on a great Tinder or Bumble date? And uh, it's just you have an amazing time, an amazing conversation. Uh, you hit it off in every single way. And you think this is a person, I, you know, I, I'm not talking marriage. I'm not talking kids. I, I'm just talking long term. I could see myself going to ball games, having a picnic, going places with this person. And the, he, he, it seems like they kind of feel the same way about you. Like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna have a little bit of a companionship here. Then they fucking ghost you for a year. That is Richard Jackson. He gave me the best date of my life, and then he fucking ghosted me for a year. He has he got a better hold, option? Hold on,
1: hold on, you're the one who you only invite me back once a year. You got like a <laughs> million guests or something. Oh, I totally covered. You know, you booked this. When did you book this? You booked me like six months ago or something.
0: No, I booked you a year ago. A <laughs> so year you got to go come back ago. next year. You said, yeah. I'm, "I'm." You said, "Like, oh man, I'm going to be busy for about the next year, meeting with Actually, redacted, be, and, redacted, fair, was, and, redacted was, and redacted yeah, and redacted and redacted." Because I don't know how much uh, we could talk about on Mike, but you've been with. It's you got better options. You, you, you was like, "Okay, YouTube, ah, fuck it, I'll do a podcast." Yeah, binge Jason, movies. Never I was, heard of it. I'll do I it.
1: Was, I was always thinking of you. when when, when i was on this other podcast i closed my eyes (laughs) for (laughs) 48
0: when i was sitting across the interview from redacted i was thinking of you (laughs) that's a lie that's That's a a lie. lie somebody hotter swiped on your profile and that's where you went and that's fine and you know what you know what those people give you richer than i could never give you Money And if you're just in this for to be able to pay your bills and pay your rent and not just getting off your jollies because four or five people are going to comment on this podcast and think you're the best, if that's not enough for you, Richard, then maybe I'm Mm. not enough for you.
1: Mm.
0: There's just a queue of people who want to speak to
1: a bald cunt with sore knees. (laughs) (laughs) That's the best and only description I have of myself.
0: Speaking of, you're off Twitter pretty much. You're done with it.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, you're not very good at the social media thing, that's okay, you're off making money, again, you're just in it for the money, it, we know. You should
1: follow my Instagram. I put stuff on Instagram. <laughs> uh,
0: but, I tweeted the other day that you had the heart of an angel and the calves of a god, but I don't know that that's true anymore. I haven't seen your calves in years, what's going mate, on with those? I am
1: cycling from London to Brighton in two and a half weeks, which is 54 miles, I've done it many okay. times before. And I've now moved to, I used to live in a part of England that's very flat, now I live in a very hilly part of England, and I'm back training, so my calves are as big as ever. Oh, um, God. But yeah. anyway, who doesn't know who I am, I've got this, just because I have freakishly overdeveloped leg muscles, and people <laughs> who watch our video podcast often comment on my legs, including someone who once said, I want to lick your toes, and a different person who said, just said, nice hairy legs, daddy. And it's <laughs> funny, yeah, it's just Gross. Uh, do you get gross <laughs> comments? And uh, yeah. I do, I have weirdly huge legs. So if you're just like, I listen to Jason. I don't know if it's fucking Richard Limey. Country, R- right, right. But yeah. he's got massive legs. I do, they're still massive, yeah. Okay, because the
0: last time well. we talked, you were like, ah, COVID, haven't been biking as much. We do a lot of production work. They're kind of shrunk. And I was disappointed. So but now, no, mate, here's what I found. Back here's what it. I found. We had a spectacular time together. You left and bettered yourself. So you're right. even better now than you were before. This is this is. I feel jilted, man.
1: Honestly, because you're you're
0: you're busting my chops over this, and rightly so. uh,
1: I'm I've been really looking forward to this. I'm really excited to record the show, and because you've picked a topic that's very very close to my heart, and I had a blast doing your show last time. I'm really excited to be back doing this. Me and my big legs.
0: You know what he did? He just dismantled my bit. He went sincere on me, and it killed the fucking bit. Sorry, what is there a punchline? (laughs) (laughs) Also, I think you're a prick. Ah, how about
1: that? Yeah, there, <laughs> there you go. Well, anyway. That was
0: Richard, that's yes. a, That was just a really creepy way of saying it. I'm glad that you're back. I'm glad <laughs> to I mean, be back, my dudes. I'm very happy to be <laughs> back. Don't worry. Well, one of the things, if anybody does know you, one of the things they know about you is that you uh, have a lot of passion, ideas, thoughts about George A. Romero, and in particular, his, his Dead series, uh, which of course yes. began with the Famous Night of the Living Dead. So let's not beat around the bush. Let's just dive right into it. 1968's Night of the Living Dead, which has a remarkable 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. Welcome to a night of total terror. <laughs> <laughs> Night of the living dead, the dead who live on living flesh, the dead whose haunted souls hunt the living, the living whose bodies are the only food for these ungodly creatures. In shock, more shattering
2: than your strangest
0: nightmare. Night of the Living Dead. Night of the Living Dead, of course, was directed by George A. Romero with a screenplay by George A. Romero and John Russo. It was released October 1st, 1968, on a budget of somewhere around $114,000. It made, uh, here's the thing. They say it makes somewhere between 30 and $42 million, but because of a little fact everybody knows, but I'm still going to dive into, it's very hard to calculate uh, how much money this made in its original release, let alone its subsequent many, many, many releases. We'll get there. I know. Strangers hide out from the recently reanimated dead in a Pennsylvania farmhouse and discover the threats inside. Okay, Richard. We have the latent image. Uh, which was Romero, Russo, and ba- basically, will just say, like almost a group of college friends who put together a commercial company. They, were, they, were, they did uh, basically industrial films, which is a thing that doesn't exist anymore. Uh, you know, some people say like hygiene films, <laughs> which don't exist anymore. And it, 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 there used to be a, more of a trend, at least in the United States, and this might be true in your neck of the woods as well, where you had more regional filmmakers. Who they they produced uh, stuff for local television or uh you know area-wide commercials or this, that, or whatever, uh, or in in local industrial films, whatnot. It doesn't really exist anymore. Everything's become very much more sort of stock and global and all kind of stuff. But that's where Romero was, that's what his background was. He was a part of this group, the latent image, and then they got it in their heads of let's make a drive-in movie. Let's make a movie for the drive-in market. And uh, they wanted to do something with Ghouls, Flesh Eaters, which was one of the original titles of the film, Night of the Flesh Eaters. And um, they ended up writing this. And then Russo came in and did some rewrites and punched up some dialogue stuff. And then they also had some actors who came in. so Some of the people who played the reporters or whatnot were actual Pennsylvania slash Pittsburgh you know reporters or announcers and they kind of polish it up and made it feel more realistic to the point that uh, as, again with this movie it's like how do you cover it without covering the stuff everybody knows when they would air the film in pittsburgh they'd have to change the names of the towns or cut the t- names of the towns up because it was so real at the time and it was their actual local broadcasters that they mm-hmm. feared that was going to be a war of the world sort of situation and that people are going to think that the li- recently deceased were really coming back and attacking the East Coast because Americans are fucking stupid. Uh, and always have been. It's all right. We are too. It's it's totally fine. Now, I've seen Mr. Bean. That can't possibly be produced from a country well, of stupid people. A nation, a nation of uh, sharp-witted sophisticates. That's right.
1: It's a show about a man falling over from time to time.
0: Yeah. yeah. And Benny Hill. I've seen Benny Hill. You can't tell me that that's Sometimes not. women
1: have big boobs and you have to chase them around a tree.
0: That's, that's right. British life. <laughs> Yeah, you British. Know. What is British life if it's not Yakety Sacks? Exactly. <laughs> I just assume that that's like your national anthem is just Yakety Sacks. Well,
1: no, it's something that um, we have police officers play every time they see an overweight pervert chasing <laughs> <arrested> nurses. <laughs> yes, so right. people
0: think that that's a comedy bit, but it's actually
1: documentary footage. Um,
0: oh, God. Well, yeah. that, that, it just that played well on PBS category. in the States. So, you know. Ooh. We got all of your trash TV and said, oh, are you being served? It's classy. Put it on PBS. Red Dwarf, put it on PBS. Uh, you. Ah. Out you of leave order. Bridget- you leave Red Wolf out of this. You put it on PBS <laughs> out of order. So when they age fifteen years from episode to episode, oh. you'll be wildly confused. Oh, so they didn't run them in sequence because Doctor in, Even in the nineties, so, so. they didn't run them in sequence. So you get something you know where it would be a male Holly and then a female Holly and then the male Holly again, then a different Holly. Then it would be it'd have a laugh track. Then it wouldn't have a laugh track, and God. none of it makes sense. Everything's gray. Yeah.
1: Everything's blue. Everything's green. Yeah.
0: Mm. All of a sudden Lister's fiance is back and then she's dead again, or maybe she's a clone. Oh, I don't know. Those actually so. suck so much shit. Anyway, yeah. We're not talking about <laughs> red dwarf. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> let me let me start here. Before I get into your technical brain, okay. let me ask you a real dumb question. Do you hmm. know who the neutrinos are from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Or in your back of the woods, the Teenage, Teenage
1: Mutant Teenage Hero Turtles. Hero Turtles? Yeah. Uh, That doesn't ring a bell with me. I watched that when it was on. I was the target audience, so we were all mad about it. I don't remember that particularly. Do you remember when they
0: they had space aliens from Dimension X who were also 1950s uh, uh, hot rodders?
1: Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, that rings a bell.
0: They were were called neutrinos. Uh And the original plot, one of the original ideas for this movie was it was going to involve... Aliens who had like uh, muscle cars, but from that were spaceships and that they were (laughs) going to fly to earth and it would be basically be like greaser aliens. And then somehow something they would, they would do, would it involve the living dead or whatnot? That was, that was obviously cut because it was, I love that. That
1: sounds great. (laughs) Why why change that? It sounds awesome.
0: It also sounds like something from Boba Fett, right? It sounds like the, uh, the body (laughs) mods from Boba Fett. A bit like galaxy high. Yeah, to to yes. Yeah.
1: Kinda, yeah. Kinda hot rods and stuff.
0: Yeah, we're old men if we know what the fuck Galaxy High is. I um, can oh, we had Galaxy High and we were <laughs> happy about it. <laughs> we had Beverly <laughs> Hill teens. <laughs> the original idea was obviously more of a horror comedy with hot, rotting aliens. Um, and instead, we ended up in a world where they just like boiled pig guts and had naked butchers eat them in the cold dew of Pitts outside of Pittsburgh. It's- it's a very stark. <laughs> it's a very stark film. Yes. And, how did, and, and so how do we get from A to B? Tell us what we don't know about George Romero and about the li- Night of the Living Dead.
1: Well, I think if you if you look at these films and because George Romero is a fucking goofball, yeah, right, and yes. and it comes out it comes out particularly in Dawn of the Dead, um, and I think it's a it's because Day of the Dead goes straight back to being really fucking dour again. Very
0: but dour. Yeah.
1: This is a very because I think the things to remember with this film are the it was shot by essentially commercial video makers industrial video makers or film, video didn't exist industrial filmmakers
0: yes right
1: and it wasn't just that that was their background but that was their craft and that was their kit so it was shot using the same cameras and the same film stock as those films um and it comes off the back of the direct what in america was called the direct cinema movement but the cinema verite yeah. movement in france right and it, that's the kind of documentary movement which d- was was supposed to be a kind of non-interventional documentary style um typified by say fred wiseman um and it shares the visual grammar of those films it is in black and white so it's very forgiving to the special effects and the makeup yes and it also um liberally features as you pointed out real local newscasters so the performances are just Completely natural. Yes. Reading this stuff out because there's that one bit in the movie where they throw away to like a, a general walking around in Washington, and all it takes is a kind of a 16 millimeter camera, a guy in a rented army uniform. Yeah. But when it's shot like newsreel, suddenly it's, it's real. It's not like right. a planet from outer space when they're in a fake cockpit. They're walking around outside on location, and it looks real. And in I think that's really what got in people's fucking brain like because it looked it feels like newsreel i think very few people would have actually thought it was real but i think it's the stark presentation yes and the, and the minimalism of it uh, it's very minimalist musical you know this this library music is that is a romero kind of trademark but very kind of minimal sort of proto-electronic stuff um very kind of hard harsh edits like lots of non-actors which could normally can be kind of ropey but also lends it that kind of reality. So it borrows a lot from what people understood to be a documentary format. And I don't think people were quite ready for that. And it's in four by three as well. It's not in a kind of cinema scope widescreeny format. So it has all of the it has all of the identifiers of documentary and television.
0: Yeah. Very and it much it was
1: black and white in 1968. Which is quite yeah. to be doing anything in black and white because it's a B, It was a B movie essentially. Well,
0: that's part of the reason why it didn't get picked up because I think it was Columbia or Paramount was actually looking at picking this movie up, and there were two hurdles to it, which is essentially it was right before the MPAA rating system. So there's no ratings on movies whatsoever. There's no G, PG. And then, you know, we're talking about the United States uh pg-13 eventually you get pg-13 in the 80s and then obviously rated r rated x uh, nc-17 it was basically this and you know uh nudist films and and pornography and and stag films right yeah right
1: yeah it it was this was pornographic by the
0: definition of the time yes and so they were like hey you know content wise now meanwhile you know they're eating off of big joints you know they're ripping flesh over big joints, but those are like ham hocks because a butcher helped fund the movie and is in the movie and supplied the meats for the movie, and it's all blood. All the blood's Bosco, and all the stuff is just you know side cuts off of pigs and and, and cattle. Uh, but it, but because it's black and white and it's sort of in shadow, and the makeup is you know uh, very effective in black and white and all that sort of stuff. It, it is, there is a grisliness to it, even though, you know, it's just animal parts, but it still, it would bother people. It was shocking even in 1968. So that was part of it. The other part of it was films were now in this, what they believed to be a competition with television because yes. TV was becoming, It sounds ridiculous as of right now. But in 1968, TV had grown throughout the majority of households in America. And, uh, it had become more quote unquote cinematic. So there was a real fear that television is going to kill the movie industry. And the one thing that movies had still in America in 1968 over television was that they had transitioned to color and a lot of stuff, even in 1968 on American TV was still in black and white. And a lot of Americans, because TVs were so expensive, still had black and white TVs, even if the stuff was in color. So, the one thing that moved, so they were like, we don't want to have a black and white movie because we're trying to compete against television. So, the content and then the color are the things that kept it from getting picked up by our major studio. So, instead, it was released uh, by Walter Reed. Walter Reed, which is, uh, you, you've you heard of Walter Reed for a variety of reasons, but one of the things that they're, there's basically an endowment uh, oh, for yes, Walter Reed. That's right. For the arts, and they essentially have, the, they became distributors of, like, German arthouse films, among many other things, like expressionist filmmaking. And the the one known film that they have in their canon, actually, <laughs> is this Z-grade well, Matt, this ghoul flesh eating movie. This was highly
1: celebrated in Europe. Coyote yeah, Cinema and all of that. This is a highly celebrated film um just for being so transgressive and so transformative and stuff like that and the thing is, if you listen to i met george romero actually um bless him i i I made some custom dawn of the dead trainers and he signed them for me they're in my wow as as you would say in that america and he said they were neat it was very nice but um you hear the man talk and i have done extensively uh because i I watched all the extras all the commentaries and stuff yeah um, read, read all the books. And I've got the Night of the Living Dead Criterion collection he talks on, of course. Wow. And, it's, it, it's, and, and that's another thing. That speaks to the station this film has. It was right. r- including the Criterion releases. Um, his films are very political. He didn't do it by design. I think it just kind of bleeds out of him. But if you listen to him, what I've always found really sweet about him is that like he was all just kind of like, oh, I just, a, I just want to make a spooky movie. I just want everybody to have a good time. He's not aggressively pushing any of that. It's just there. He's like, right. it's there. It's there if you want to see it. But um, you know, I'm just, I'm just larking about and making a movie, and I want everybody to have a good time. Whereas in actual fact, what he did has been endlessly kind of, and rightfully so, analysed and picked
0: apart and and and, and kind of lionised, right? Um, as it should be, in my view. So there's a couple of things I think contribute to that. Uh, the first thing I think that contributes to that is what you said, you said just sort of leaked, leaked out of him. And I would, for this movie in particular, there's say him and, and Russo and we'll get into him and his split off. And we're going to go through the, the family tree of all of the dead and the zombie and what's a sequel and what's not a sequel and what's a ripoff and Italy and, and living dead and who all the shit, but we're getting there. But I want to deal with the actual movie proper first. It's an interesting time because George Romero, for all intents and purposes, is, a, is sort of a Midwest or Rust Belt, as we'd call it in the United States, because he's from Pittsburgh. So Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Detroit, Buffalo, kind of that Rust Belt area where it had been high industry, especially right around the Second World War. Big steel, big car, big glass, big rubber. Uh, right, Pittsburgh is about an hour and a half away from me. Akron, Ohio is where I'm at. So that's, you know, good years right here, baby. Uh, the Goodyear blimp. Uh, our claim to fame. That, LeBron, and binge movies. A blimp, <laughs> yeah. a basketball player. Not in that player. order. Binge yeah, not in that first. order. God binge God damn movies it. First. <laughs> um, binge movies number one. Number, number one. <laughs> um, <laughs> Romero is the Vietnam guy. He's the Vietnam generation. These yeah. are young, kind of, you know, industrial city, leftist, uh, cynical. They're seeing the shit that they're seeing. Dead bodies for the first time on television because of Vietnam in the United States. There and that's a, why
1: Tom Savini wasn't available for this movie is one of these trivia things. Uh, he was away as a photographer in Vietnam.
0: Which would obviously contribute to his makeup skills later on because a yes. lot of the gore effects that he does and makeups and gags were and from his experiences. The
1: remake of, him, of this that he directed, which I possibly like more. No, um, don't tell me that. Yeah. Yeah, no, as, an as an experience, as an experience. No, it isn't. No, it absolutely is not. I disagree. <laughs> I, ma- I made a whole video about it. I thought you watched my content, motherfucker. I made a whole video justifying that movie. <laughs> I shot it in black and white and everything, you bastard. Um, and that's more enjoyable to watch. I Honestly, I really yeah. love that film. It's more enjoyable to watch. Is it a better film? Debatable. But is it, it it's, it's, it's an interesting film? Debatable. But,
0: um, what I'm getting at, though, is I think he's acc- he accidentally typed Tapped into, especially stateside, but probably globally, as you're saying, a bit of a zeitgeist kind of a thing because it is presented in a newsreel fashion, major portions of the film that would have been very, very similar to the footage that we had seen in the States coming out of Vietnam or having generals or so forth talking about the conflict in Vietnam and this, that, whatever. And of yeah. course, you're only a few short years removed from the Kennedy assassination. And there was these made, major cultural upheaval within the United States. And you have an entire generation that has been completely disenfranchised from its own you know, larger society and culture. And that's what he's coming out of. That's, so there's a cynicism and a darkness and a starkness, I think, is in the film that is that is just it's there not just because it's ghouls from the grave it's just a spooky movie I think it's imbued with a greater sort of uh, uh, disenfranchisement and cynicism than it would have been if it had been made at a different time even in the 1950s when you look at 1950s ghoul movies or you know Haitian voodoo movies or you know any kind of science fiction or horror they're not the same they're, they're not, not the same, same. this and is now a, Post-Vietnam, you know, era film, basically. When people, lazily
1: era film. Parody, when people lazily parody this and the Atomic Panic movies from the decade
0: yeah, prior, right.
1: they lump them together, and they're not the same. They're the reason not the people same. do that is because this is in black and white. That's why That's, they do it. But,
0: but, there, but there's something, uh, you know, many people have said that this is the beginning of modern horror. From this point forward, you could say all modern horror, especially in America, this is where it starts over. This was like a re of the, the entire horror genre because of its added cynicism. The other thing that he's doing in 1968, and he has gone the record to say he didn't know what he was doing, they just cast the best actor for the part, but putting an African-American man in the lead, and, and then, spoilers if you haven't seen the film, I highly recommend it, obviously, but killing him the way that they do. And then the the over-the-credits photography montage that appears as if it were almost... There were images in 1968, and unfortunately images today, but it's certainly in 1968 that were real-life images of lynchings and mobs and killings of people of color that look just like that.
1: It's almost accidental. It's kind of accidental that Dwayne Jones was cast as Ben, but that happening then causes a bunch of stuff to suddenly fall into place. Yes. And it's, because it's a bunch of fucking rednecks, fucking crackers, like shooting a black guy. At the end of the movie, it's like he's lived and it's like, the film just goes, no.
2: The
1: The film just goes to you at the end. Oh, sorry. Yeah, you know how we spent like the last 90 minutes showing you that people are irredeemable? Well, yeah, that hasn't changed. He's dead. Guy. he's it's dead a fucking yeah se- do you know the other movie that does that is um well not that but the other a similar trick is philip kaufman's body snatchers
0: yeah this is how open right.
1: palm slap to the face it's yep. just kind of like hey you know what fuck you end it's, it's brutal it's, and it's post-crash yeah. they're both good post-crash hollywood movies yes um you know yeah it's where, where it's, it's hollywood modernism it's where the formula was just shaken up and
0: And Romero has gone on the record to say, look, he was the best actor we knew. We put him in the part. It didn't really Mm. see it until other people started to see it in the movie. And they began to take it as a civil rights commentary.
2: Mm.
0: And here's the thing. You know, there's the aspect of what does the artist intend versus what does the the viewer find in the art and so forth and so on, the subjectivity of art. I know this is not what you're expecting for, for Richard Jackson and Jason from Binge Movies to talk about zombie movies. We'll get to some of the other shit later. But that's what makes this movie so unique, Richard. In all the canon of horror and all the canon of zombie films and why it has been dissected, it has been. And there's so much there that we can analyze almost to death what was intended and what wasn't in the film. Yeah, And so why do you think this commercial grade, industrial film grade film shot in, of all places, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania for a hundred grand borrowed from barbers, uncles, and butchers shot out in the country by a bunch of burned out hippie college kids who were just trying to make a money for like, for meat packing plants. Makes me so happy. How do they make this movie that is so imbued with so much about the human condition? Because I want to really, this viewing's brought some things to surface for me that I'd never seen in it before. So I want to actually get to the the plot a little bit here in a second. But why? Why is this thing so loaded? Is it a matter of right place, right time? Right people, right place, right time? Because the other thing about it is I think being set in Pittsburgh and not in traditional places that you would have seen in American films of the time, it also ends, adds this sort of verite, odd uh, outsider, otherworldly quality to it.
1: Just, is it just luck?
0: Is it just I, luck? It, do you know what it is?
1: It, it is right place, right time. But I think it's it's outsider art. You know, mm-hmm. it's the, the, it 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 has a format that hadn't been done before. It had yeah. a setting that was underutilized. It exists outside of the kind of coastal situation that you have in the states particularly really we're talking about the west coast here because it's from yeah. outside of hollywood right it it showed people something they didn't know they wanted and they'd never seen before and particularly keeping in mind because this is coming at the post crash the problem one of the reasons that hollywood did crash is because they were just got they were telling the same stories over and over again and they had this formula that they kept repeating and it just people didn't want to see them anymore right that people they want to see Rex Harrison in a fucking massive musical in Cinerama Bananascope that's projected across nine buses or whatever these stupid road shows they used to do that was done you know, and people could and not only that this is something that hit the drive ins you know it wasn't an a picture it wasn't a night of the movies it was this was a midnight movie and it do you know it was, I, it was
0: also a b picture. To a family film. I don't know if you know that, but it, originally that. there was an A picture and a B picture. And the, I don't even remember what the A picture was, but I know for a fact it was a like a like for the whole family. And then the for B a, picture was Night of the, Live, night of the Flesh Eaters. <laughs> a, tra- a traumatizing night in for the whole family. Well, speaking yeah. of, so I went back. And sometimes I like to find what the real critics have to say. I went back and I found Roger Ebert actually wrote about this movie in 1969. And he didn't write a review of the film as much as he wrote, wrote an editorial about <laughs> violence in film. Because, okay, my dad is of this generation. I've talked about it before in this podcast, Richard, where my, dad, my dad's babysitter was basically palace theaters. Where the theater had one screen, it was a giant fucking palace, and it was like a work of architectural beauty. We still have a few of them. Many of them have been demolished. We have we uh,
1: similar, similar situation. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And then you would just take kids there and basically they would just show shit all day long. It would you know, Three Stooges, cartoons, movies, old serials, Buck Rogers, cowboy shit, you know, whatever, and maybe some new stuff. That happened. <laughs> and one of the movies that they showed in a screen full of young children was what we now know as Night of the Living Dead. And yes, we'll get Say to that. the copyright. And here's yeah. what he writes. The kids in the audience were stunned. There was almost complete silence. The movie had stopped being delightfully scary about halfway through, and it had become unexpectedly terrifying. There was a little girl across the aisle from me, maybe nine years old, who was sitting very still in her seat, crying. And that is his description of the scene, is imagine a raucous theater full of children who are just climbing on the seats and laughing at old movies they're showing. And the new movie they put on for them to watch is Night of the Living Dead. And in 1969, just one year after this movie came out, still playing in theaters, and a theater full of children and Roger Ebert, every child in the theater <laughs> is dead, silent, pissing themselves and crying. <laughs> that's beautiful. It's amazing.
1: Well, it's that's what hard that movie to. Is. Like someone, that's it,
0: right? Fucking up
1: programmed that in the wrong place. That was, that's what that was you know I, I i just do you know what as well i think uh, because of instances like you just described it was a kind of proto-viral hit it was a yes. word of mouth thing and and you know and this is, was something that was able to travel through well-worn reels of film because everybody had to see it and then you know in europe it, be- it became celebrated and it came over um and then when it hit these shores it was an art film you know, and that's not what, that's not what Romero set out to make. He was making a trashy B movie, like that's oh, what he yeah. wanted to do. But it was celebrated as an art film. um It's quite often the case when things come to Europe, we get all fucking pretentious about it. But, <laughs> uh, like I said before, like de Cinema and stuff latched onto it, and and they were able to relate it to civil rights and and to the right the, um, the Cinema Verite movement and. You know, we had a similar kind of uh, social realist thing because it's socially realist as well. It's, it's couched in the world of horror and fantasy, but it's kind of social realism because it's all of these films to different degrees are humanity's problems in a microcosm. And it's right, different correct. versions of that. And, and, and every time you watch, kind of, you watch it collapse. Um, Which, okay. it in different ways.
0: Let's stop right there. I'm bored of that now. Because we've had 15 seasons of The Walking Dead and I stopped watching eight years ago. But we've had so much stuff. What's happened now is that we got stuck in this loop, basically, where because of these films and because of Romero, everybody was like, you know... Humans are the real monsters. Society's the problem, and that then that adds almost a sort of faux depth to the zombie. But they didn't genre seem whatever, to know whatever.
1: what to do with it. That's what annoys me because like Romero's style was you know, and it was all right when Romero did it because it was originally when it was his trademark, and everyone's that's it. Kind of gone. Well, this is the genre, and it's like no, it's how George interpreted the genre. What kind of. Because like the the Snyder version of, Dawn of The Dead, which I do quite like as a fit movie to watch, it's enjoyable yeah, enough. But yeah, but the absolutely. zombies are all snarling monsters. Right, you know, they're not. The, even in this, the zombies Romero zombies are pitiful creatures, and there's something right. to them. There's a residual humanity. The Snyder ones, they're just kind of snarling monsters, and 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 the do, the, the the Walking Dead ones, they're just snarling monsters. Yeah, and they're so heavily made up because early on in The Walking Dead, they look like people, but they're all these kind of skeletal ghouls now, and it's as like, well. That they might as well be fucking decepticons <laughs> but for the difference it makes right, like you know right. there's, no, there's no depth to them and there's no tragedy right. and there's no pathos because even in this and this is the one that does it the least because I think it's still finding, way out, finding its way through but like the well they're creating
0: movie. it this is the one that's creating the modern zombie accidentally yeah, and,
1: and even so they seem, they seem kind of pitiful and aimless yes. still I mean they're still a lost. Like, they seem
0: like lost souls yeah yeah
1: exactly and there's something to be pitied i mean they're a threat and you should fight them and you should escape but they're not just like like fucking you know goblins they something to them and that's the, the sad tragic part i think day of the dead uh, dawn of the dead sorry really really nails that home and, and, and yes. it's very foregrounded and that's the thing that runs through that the char- there are no shared characters across any of these films except diary and uh, survival oh, yeah the we'll characters of the yeah i kind of wanted to cite too but i'll save it for later <laughs> <laughs> The, the the zombies as a character, the the, the enemy, the sacred yeah. enemy, they evolve, and by the time of Land of the Dead, they're 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 the protagonists really, um, and the proceeds of that for are pl- applied in the Day of the Dead, um, you know, with Bub and and you know they don't want this, they don't want to be there, they yeah. never asked for it, they're right. just hungry, <laughs> you know, they can't help it. Right. Like I'm not I'm not saying you want to fucking take one for dinner and give it a hand job, but you know like. It, <laughs> <laughs> you, you, they're 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 tragic they're tragic and pitiful creatures there's there's yeah. more to them than just being a kind of snarling monster
0: well the stuff everybody already knows what we might as well say now is that the word zombie is never used in romero's film especially this one he never interpreted them as zombies because there were zombies zombies were real creatures in in film history and in urban legend and horror history and they were the basically uh, brainwashed dead, sometimes not dead people, who were brought back through uh, Haitian voodoo. And there was yeah. a whole basically white appropriated Bizarro faux version of Haitian culture that was put on film to scare the straights. And it was, uh, you know, a bunch of uh, well, these Haitians are going to use black magic and bring and brainwash you through whatever. And that's what a zombie was. And I don't know, I think it was a written review or somebody, somebody ascribed the name zombie to these creatures. And it sort of stuck. And it's one of those things that Romero never intended. They were ghouls and mm. they were flesh eaters. And that's what they were supposed to be. Now, the other thing that you know is when they went to release the film, the film was titled Night of the Flesh Eaters. And they did a search very late and figured out that the term flesh eater had already been used and there was going to be maybe some copyright issues with using the term flesh eaters from some other horror film. So they came up with some other titles. Most of them were terrible, but the one they landed on was just called night of the living dead. But when they, back at that time, uh, your, your title actually had to have the copyright information on it in the film for the copyright in the United States. It would be binding and legal. It's been changed since then, but it, that's what you had to have. When they redid the title card, they forgot the copyright stamp and the copyright information, and it was released and it went to theaters. And one of the reasons why it kept hanging around and hanging around is Richard, once you got a print of it at your local theater and you were the guy who owned the theater or worked the theater, you could dub that print and take it somewhere and get that print copied basically and make your own print of the movie and show it as much as you want and you didn't have to pay them anything yeah so that's why it's impossible to calculate how much money even its initial release because it never went away it was screening in theaters in black and white in the united states and around the world some 20 some years later on basically bootleg copies but they weren't really boot, bootlegs because they they essentially released this as freeware, and they didn't yeah. intend to, and they didn't know, yeah. and not very many people paid them for a license or the right to show it's the film. The fucking demo of Commander Kane. <laughs> <laughs> so here's my question: Do you think, again, you think that's another one of those happy accidents? Because because despite its graphic qualities, its nature, its violence, its gore for the time despite how scary the movie was in 1968, and I think it's still pretty effective. Despite all of those things, the reason why this movie had endured wasn't just because of its ideas or its subtext, but also because it could be aired around the world in theaters and on TV uh, for no cost.
1: <laughs> it's public domain. I do. I, this is a similar thing that, to what happened with um, It's a Wonderful Life, right? Yeah. That it's a Wonderful Life was a was a disaster on release, but it basically got neglected and put onto TV. And it became this huge thing on via television, and, and *Night of Living Dead*. I do think, like, like I was saying, it being kind of viral. Every person who dubbed that in a theater, every person who bootlegged a tape, and and now because you or I can release *Night of Living Dead* whatever we want, I could I could download it from the internet now and start selling copies. No one would buy yeah. them because it's right. free, but you, you can because nobody owns it. It's it's right. it's 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 homeless as a film, um, and I do think that probably did contribute to its kind of proto-virality i think that that put it in the hands of people who otherwise wouldn't have watched it and it became a driving thing and a midnight thing forever you know and and and, and it keeps that it still is that
0: yeah you know? tonight if you and i were like you know what we've had so much fun talking about it, we're gonna do a live stream tonight and just yeah. fucking play the movie <laughs> we're gonna talk over mm-hmm. it on youtube for anybody to watch we could
1: yep no problem no, and so. nobody
0: could do anything about it. So this is, it's another one of the reasons why it may be one of the most commented on dissected films, most seen films in maybe film history, because it's just, it could go anywhere and play forever <laughs> and still can. And it yeah. always will. It's a public domain film. Yeah. The things that I noticed this time, and maybe I'm just really stupid, Richard. So forgive me. But the things I noticed this time about the movie that I never noticed before, Just a couple of things. One, they give sort of background as to maybe, potentially, possibly what might have caused the living dead. Now, that's not new to me. I knew that. I knew it was a probe that went to Venus and so forth and so on. But uh, what I didn't realize at the time was the implications of that. The implications of a Venus probe was during during the space race in the 60s between the United States and Russia, Russia was, was the first country that was doing deep space probing. Mm-hmm. We were not doing any deep space probing at this time. Yeah. So a Venus probe is a Russian probe. It's a way of saying a Russian probe without having to say Russia or USSR or Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. And it's the Americans who, as it's returning to Earth, panic and shoot it down. Yeah. And our pan- our, basically our panic over socialism or communism causes our own undoing because we shoot down this thing. (laughs) (laughs) This isn't a video podcast. We shoot down. I just
1: did a face, everybody.
0: Yeah. We (laughs) shoot down this probe and it releases this Venus radiation. And suddenly the recently dead on the East coast begin to reanimate. Mm. it's never directly tied together as this is the no, it's, definitive it's, cause it's
1: the one everybody latches onto it's the one yeah. people used to put on the back of the vhs case and stuff right and it's never definitively says that and you would get essays that would say like oh the venus probe caused it. and it's like well no they say it may have done
0: it may have been and, and- Cru-
1: crucially as you point out it's still ultimately cold war panic nuclear panic yes you know, yes. and 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 that was very much the business of the the B movies, the B movie movement from ten years to fifteen years to twenty years prior that we have touched upon. That was very much their preoccupation, and that would be called Night of the Atomic Dead or whatever, right, right, right. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> right. And there probably is a movie called that. You know, I'm sure there um, is. <laughs> but it t- it's still ultimately that it's still trading on those fears. Yeah, it's still and it, and 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 you know. Also, in a bigger sense, it's it's kind of a take on American Gothic, right? The painting American Gothic. It's the Yes destruction of the American farmstead. It's the you know, the American rural working class life being torn to pieces. Um in, in a kind of literal sense. Um,
0: but you could take it a step further, and this is where it's sort of the sixties version of that as opposed to the fifties. It is the American rural experience being torn apart, but it's and being undone, but it's undone through its own ignorance, potentially. Oh god yeah
1: that's that right? is Henry Cooper uh, Harry Cooper his entire character.
0: Well okay so of- let so so we here okay that's where I wanted to go next. So we shoot down the probe the United States shoots down the probe because communism is evil and we shoot down the probe cuz we're afraid. And so we shoot down the probe and then maybe 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 that has something to do with the dead raising but we don't know. Maybe it's just happening because god's done with us. Who knows? And the flesh eaters are here the ghouls are here. And we have Ben, who's essentially our protagonist, who's who's uh, the lead of the film, I guess, for, you know, becomes the lead of the film, essentially, our main character. And by the way, the this, focus does, of the film this changes. does
1: Psycho's
0: trick. It yes. does a psycho, yes. you know, which is amazing. But anyway, by which I mean. Yeah, you definitely hilarious. think Barbara is going to be your protagonist. And she yeah. is for maybe about the first 15 minutes of the film. Then she goes into basically catatonia and spends the rest of her time on the couch hysterical. And then we switch over to this person who you would not think would be the lead of a film in 1968. Um, And there he is. And it's Ben and Ben is this guy of like action. We have to get to the truck. We have to get gasoline. We have to do this. We have to pour up the windows. He's a man who's about doing stuff. He's a man. He's a, like he's a take charge sort of guy. The thing I never would, that's, pretty obvious at surface level then you have harry here talking about who is the fearful asshole who's like says he's only looking out for his family but you know he's only really looking out for himself because he treats his wife like shit he's got a you know proto-zombie daughter in the basement the living dead girl all this sort of stuff all these images we know the thing that i never realized though is that harry in a sense is right because it's true arc, in the remake as well he's, his he's art right. His argument is, if we just hold up in this basement, they won't be able to get down here. We just wait it out, and somebody will eventually come for us. Mm. And Ben's like, they're going to overrun the house. We got to make a run for it. We got to get to that truck. We got to get out of here. Because, you know, if we go down in that basement, then there's nowhere else to go. And If they get in, then we're for sure gone. And they they come up with this cockamamie Molotov cocktail plan, all this sort of stuff it all goes, of course, horribly wrong. It leads, Ben's plan inadvertently leads to everybody dying (laughs) and the house being overrun. And then he murders a man. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he kills Harry, just flat out shoots him, just flat out shoots him in the stomach and then hides out in the basement and just stays there and then come to find out in the morning. And the thing is, you can see a world in which if it wasn't just him shambling around inside the house, if it wasn't just him shambling around inside the house, but there was a group of them in the basement crying out for help that maybe the, the mob that shows up with the sheriff or whatever is like, yeah, they're all messed up. They're 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 all dead. Uh, Um, maybe they wouldn't have, maybe they would have got through it. Maybe Ben would not have been shot in the head. Um,
1: i, I never I always, realized it before that he's right Harry. I, I always come back to right. harry i always come back to harry being right it's the same in the remake he is right but it's kind of a case of and it's all part of the frustration of the human condition that this is the thing like you could argue that harry is right for the wrong reasons and ben is right uh, harry is right for the wrong reasons and ben is wrong for the right reasons. right in that their approach is, their approaches they can't get out of their way harry can't help but be a fucking prick and if you yeah. would just shut up and listen, like they could talk it out. And Ben is similar. Ben, Ben in a better, more humane way, in a more kind of gregarious way, still won't fucking listen to him. They won't listen to each other. And this is the thing it's humans. Un- Cause you, you could argue in day of the Dead that captain Rhodes is right. Like you just kill them all and leave. What's the point? Yeah. Um, right. But it's the way he conducts himself and the way he chooses to approach that problem. Um, and it, this is the thing, because what you do is you put them in this escapable situation and you watch them undo themselves. And in, you know, in Dawn of the Dead, it's a bit different. We'll get to all this, but like, you know, Steven fucks it up, really. If he'd just yes. let them have the shit, like, they'd have been alright. Correct. Um, you know, and it's a similar thing. You would get into Land of the Dead as well, how that happens and stuff. But it, you know, these people, they're not perfect, which is what makes it interesting. Ben just comes off as more heroic because he just seems like a better person. But if you break it down, he has the wrong plan and he murders someone in cold blood. Yeah. Um, and I still, I'm still team Ben. Fuck oh, I'm Cooper. team Ben <laughs> the whole way. Yeah. Fuck, yeah. okay,
0: but Especially because the beat the movie ends on. And and yes, it's also because the color of that man's skin and the beat it ends on. You can't help but be like... And it, never, it, it, he's like a country club
1: schmuck in a fucking yes smart shirt and trousers yes. they've been to a do haven't they sorry as we would say in england like right. a do, an event um you know they've come back and ben's fucking got his sleeves rolled up and he's just been chased out of a diner so it tells you Ex- from there what their stations in life are and stuff
0: and it's when his wife goes that's important isn't it and she goes what and he goes that you're right that you know more than everybody it's important yeah. to you yeah because her whole point is like You don't even give you don't even give a shit whether any of us live or die, or any of those people up there live or die. You just want to be right. Mm. And the
1: the people being undone by hubris and arrogance is the
0: yeah. And she says something. She says something like like something though to the effect of like living together isn't any good, but dying together isn't going to fix that. So what you know is that their marriage is terrible. That yeah. he's horrible oh, God, yeah. to her. He's horrible to his, his wife and daughter. You know that. Just by the way he conducts himself. Like, get in the basement! You know, he's just, he's a piece of shit. And he, he hits her right. well, doesn't he? he hits yeah, as well. he does hit her, yes. Yeah. But he's right. <laughs> yeah, again, and there's and he's, right have, for
1: the, he's right for the wrong reasons.
0: Yeah, there's and something wrong about... For the wrong reasons. Have you seen 10 Cloverfield Lane? The one that's not really a Cloverfield movie?
1: No, I haven't, no. No, that's the John okay. Goodman
0: basement one. They it? do something with John Goodman's character where it's, a, it's, a, it's actually a very good film, but they do something with his character where the movie basically gives you this dialectical tension and this, this dichotomy is like, well, he's either crazy or he's right. Mm. And then it, by the end of the movie, you realize, well, that isn't the only, those aren't the only two options. There's another option, which is he's crazy and he's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right? Uh, uh, yeah, and it's the yeah, same yeah. thing here. We don't want to agree with Harry because like you said, he's a prick. Mm. so we feel that sense of well ben and harry are that dichotomy well the good guy has to be right because he's the good guy and the piece of shit guy has to be wrong because he's a piece of shit And it's like no there's another option which is the piece of shit he's still a piece of shit but he's right yeah even if he yeah. doesn't know, even yeah, even if it's for the wrong yeah, reasons, yeah. even if he can't, got to the conclusion for all the wrong re- reasons, it was the right conclusion. He's an and arrogant
1: bully. He's an arrogant bully, and yeah. it makes you not like him. But then ultimately, he's right. But that's again, it's important to say he's right for the wrong reasons. I'll keep saying that.
0: <laughs> like, you know. That's part of the cynicism of the film, though, Richard. Yes, is if that's Romero going? You know what? Sometimes the fucking bullies are right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah but yeah. don't worry, because everybody dies. But everybody dies anyways. Yeah. Sometimes you could be right, but still be wrong and lose anyways. Yeah. And that's, yeah. The, that's the downbeat fucking ending of this movie. Because here's the, the ending of this movie is not, oh, my God, zombies have run over America. That's not it. The actual no. ending of the movie is, actually, we're killing most of these zombies. We're probably going to have this rounded up pretty quick. That's the act if you listen to what they're saying. Yeah, yeah, The actual yeah, end yeah, is yeah, yeah. yeah, we are yeah, we we were actually to this. We're on, we're on top, top of this. It. Yeah. Yeah. It seems to be I and mean, there's even a line where he's like, Well, it seems to be pretty localized, just this area. Uh some other cities haven't been affected by it. So we think we'll, you know, we'll we'll be all right. And so the idea is that maybe the world's going to get back. We, we won't think of those terms because of the sequels, yeah. but if in nobody 1968, thought they
1: were going to make another one,
0: exactly. You know. So that the real cynicism of the ending is this was just like a weird fucking night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If, a- if these people could have cooperated, they would have lived not just to see another day, but maybe beyond the end of the world. Yeah. Yeah. Cause the world wasn't ending. It was yeah. just some weird shit happening in the countryside. And it, and they couldn't keep it together.
1: You couldn't hold it together for one fucking night because you're it. too fucking arrogant and you're too fucking loud, and you just yes. won't fucking listen. And it's it, all based upon society's existing divisions. That's what yes, you're going microcosm Contemporary Western society, or American society, whatever. Right?
0: Um, Another layer of the cynicism is the two most idealistic, positive characters in the movie, the newlyweds. <laughs> he blows them up and burns them alive in a truck. And then when they, yeah. when they, when the hillbillies show, up, they go, "Looks like somebody had a barbecue." Somebody barbecue. <laughs> And that, and and the goriest part of the movie is the flesh eaters not eating the living flesh, eating the barbecued barbecued flesh, flesh yeah. of the newlyweds. The petrol <laughs> petrol flavor.
1: <What> was it? <laughs> uh, Judy, is it Tommy and Judy Rose? Like they're,
0: they're something just, like that. Just definitely Judy. I feel like, but I think it might. It's probably Tommy. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You they know? just. Oh man. Yeah. And he's he's like the Tommy. If he's got real. Burt Ward, Boy Wonder. Yes, he does. And he's like, he? well, we're going to fix this. And it's. Yeah. And it does like, that kind of musical like clown. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <Yeah. fucking
0: laughs> like, fuck you. And yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's um, Yeah. Cause he's like, Ben, you shouldn't be going. Gee, Willikers, Ben, you should build the truck. <laughs> yeah. I should. I know how to work the gas pumps better. Yeah. And just <laughs> gets the most brutal fucking death of the movie. Holy and gas th- explosion, Ben, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then, of course, the daughter, the living dead girl, right, who mm-hmm. comes back from the dead, and uh, already, uh, we'll get to it in some of my thoughts of some of these other movies. She immediately uses a tool, which, by the way, all the zombies in these movies use tools from the very beginning. So I don't know why that's an innovation, but again, I'll get there. But she picks up the 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 um, uh, Man, it's, whatever it's called, the spade, and yeah, and the garden spade, and. and massacres her mother, uh uh Michael Myers style. It's
1: infanticide, <laughs> it's matricide. Like it, it this is the thing, because I think for even for the time, you know, when it again, when it was Attack of the Atomic Dead, look out, he's using his gamma rays or whatever. Right, right. Like right. that would be that. But this is fucking cannibalism. But it's t- as they point out in Dawn of the Dead, it technically isn't, but it is. It's cannibalism. Right, it is. It's infanticide. Yeah. It's matricide. You, like yeah. it's all of these really transgressive things. She's stabbing her mum to death with a fucking trowel, and, and there's it, chocolate it syrup
0: it, going everywhere. As as, <laughs> as as much as he's using shadow too, mm. he is also not cutting away. Mm. So some is in mm. shadow and some is. It's, this is not a psycho thing where it's like, well, the not You hear, you see the knife, but you don't really see the puncture, but you think you do because that's how mm. effective the scene is. Mm. Romero's not that good of a director, let's be honest. So yeah. he's, well, just, he's not Hitchcock. Like, I think it's pretty unfair yeah, to compare him yeah, to. Yeah, uh, So you're gonna watch the fucking knife go in <laughs> four mm. or five mm-hmm. times, and Bosco's going on the wall, buddy, and you're gonna hear the mother scream, and we're gonna we put a weird synth distortion on her scream. It's very it's like, telling. That, um, <laughs>
1: it's
0: great. I fucking love that. It's so good. It's the, so the, bizarre. It makes
1: it more unsettling. So, so many versions of this carry the girl's face on the poster, and that's it. That's it. There are so many versions. Just her face. Uh, the version I've got is the Judith Id one. Um, but like, like, the, like, it's just her face and, and it's an icon and, and with that font and the green text, it's just iconic yeah. of this film. Um, because I think it's one of the most shocking moments. I think particularly in the 1960s, it's kind of like, did that little girl just stab her mum to, to death and get shot in the head by her dad? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you just watched.
0: Yeah. You know, uh, my dad has since passed on and, uh, but again, he was a big movie guy, inspiration for the show. I asked him one time, I said, it, it, movie ever scare you? Cause my dad watched every horror movie, every didn't matter. And just seemed unfazed by most of it. And I, I said, any movie actually scare you in the theater? He said, there's only two movies that made me afraid in the theater. Well, he said, one was at a drive and It was Night of the Living Dead. And it was the Living Dead girl scene. Because he would have been a teen, basically, when this movie came out. And it freaked him the fuck out. And it freaked everybody the fuck out. And that's the other thing that we're kind of glossing over is this movie terrified people. Mm. Ter- this was a universally scary movie. I just, like, oh, it's creepy or gross. It was terrifying to people the second one was alien because mm. no one had ever seen the movie before and so uh, you didn't know what was going to happen so the, the sense of danger felt very real and the bursters scene all of that and there was just those are the only two movies that really actually physically made him feel fear it while he's watching them theatrically or you know driving and again i mean variety's original review of this movie called it an orgy of sadism that was part of the review. Stateside, was Don't like, threaten me with a good time. <laughs> this movie is sadistic because that's one of the things they quoted. Is like this is a perverted movie because it has you know daughters killing their mothers and you know and dead children and people like, eating and flesh was, and ripping. It was technically trails. viewed
1: as pornographic,
0: but, but yeah. to those to those who censor, yeah.
1: you know, it was pornographic in its in its content according to some.
0: Before I get your score, before we move on, because we have so many more movies to talk about. Let's talk about John Russo and his split from Romero. The, you have the Romero continuity, which is essentially the dead series. And then you have the Russo continuity, which is the living dead series. Can you explain to the folks at home who may not know what the fuck happened and uh, why, why there seem to be two continuities here?
1: Strap yourselves in, my friends. <laughs> so they wrote, <laughs> they wrote it together. They didn't really work again after this in the same way yeah and um john russo had his own concept for a sequel which was called return of the living dead which uh, he would create a screenplay for uh and that was not made in the way you think it was made the movie return of the living dead basically optioned that but just used the title and then Dan back yes. to create something new and in that movie the concept is that the events of not of living dead actually are, are based on a real event however also the continuity of the Return of the Living Dead novel that um, John Russo wrote has a situation where people just live with the Living Dead, and there's a situation you, you kind of uh, stake people in the head at their funeral to make sure they don't come back, and all this stuff. And he did a George Lucas, A New Hope thing, where he shot new footage and released a new version of Night of the Living Dead with new characters and new stuff, oh which remastered the, pic- it remastered the picture very nicely. And there's some nice new music, but. They added loads of stuff, and everything you think is bad about the Star Wars 1997 versions is so much worse in that. Yes, it but is. But all the additions adhered to the continuity from his novel, and they were they were tying up. Um, when it came to making uh, Return of the Living Dead, because they were going to be divergent sequels, Dawn of the Dead, Return of the Living Dead, the Living Dead ended up. Just taking the title, like I've said, being completely rewritten to what Dan O'Bannon made. Ironically, it came out against Day of the Dead and Thrash at the box office. Um, because, <laughs> and, and, and I adore Return of the Dead. It's amazing. Yes. It's I a very Dare different the thing. Better. They're very different. They're very different. Um, yeah, and it's a wonderful, wonderful movie. Uh, I mean, I prefer Day of the Dead. But, um,
0: the rumor or the urban legend or the internet legend was always that there was business, as there often is, business falling outs among partners and hurt feelings and different creative visions and whatnot. And an agreement was basically struck, which was George could continue the main continuity, but, but he could not use the term living, living. dead. Yeah. So, everything he does that, is because that because that was a term that, yeah, Russo coined. And so that's why it's Night of the Living Dead, but it's not Dawn of the Living Dead. It's just Dawn of the Dead.
1: Which is good because Dawn of yes. the Dead is better and Day of the Dead is better. And yes, then Dawn
0: of, of the Living Dead or Day of the Living Dead. Yeah. Or of survival of the Living Dead. Survival of the, dead, the Living Dead.
1: <laughs> I mean, there's not a lot to make Survival of the Living Dead yeah. worse. I don't think changing the title is not going to really put any extra horses in that race you know what i mean yeah that's right um but anyway we're getting it i'm sorry to get ahead of myself but that was fox it was fox who went in and made return living dead and fox have had their grubby mitts on trying to take ownership of not living dead quite a number of times yes Um, yeah and that was probably their first gambit the greasy fucks not that it matters now because they're owned by disney who are larger greasier fucks
0: yes they are um If you had to give this movie a score out of 10, what would you give it? And where does it rank for you? Now, of course, we're talking about one of the all-time classic films. And I here's what I think has happened. I think we've had a very unconventional conversation about a movie that's been conversated about uh, a lot. It's hard to but know what to add, I think. It's hard to know what to add to the conversation. So, uh, but this is where you get to make your claim uh, again, because you already talked about this on the internet uh, for the last 15 years. Do it again, <laughs> right here on Binge Movies. <laughs> what's its score out of 10 what's it rank and of course you are going you know, mean, to add it's, decimal it's points like and a, whatever it's, i mean it's
1: a do you know what? it's it's a film it's the one of the original three that i watched the least um i find it the least enjoyable to watch um but it's like a groundbreaking classic mm. so i would probably give it like an eight or a nine out of ten just because it's an incredibly great groundbreaking movie let's call it a nine yeah, because I know where I'm going with Dawn and Day.
0: Yeah, and
1: um, I would this, but this is the the th- my third favorite. Out
2: of- <laughs> well,
1: this is the thing, though, isn't it? Because I'm the guy who fucking likes Return of the Jedi or whatever. Like, it's it's right, right. I, 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 like I just Return
0: think, the Jedi as well, but yes,
1: yeah. But I I just think I prefer as an experience to sit down and watch. Yeah, I yeah. prefer the other two, and actually, we pr- We're getting into Sophie's choice for Dawn and Day, by the way
0: oh boy I, yeah well i i was 100 percent in your camp for years and years and years dawn of the dead the original dawn of the dead was my preferred one and i would say for most people if you were to say what is you know nerd culture what is the stereotypical pick it's going to be dawn of the Dawn of the Dead, that's widely regarded as the best of the best among film cinephiles and film freaks and horror freaks and whatnot, and largely due to the addition of Tom Savini for the makeup effects and all the stuff that we're going to get into for hours on end for the next movie. But about two or three years ago, I revisited Night of the Living Dead. and I watched it and it was dark and the movie (coughs) creeped me out and unsettled me in a way for the first time even though it's old, even though it's black and white, even though it's Bosco and and boiled ham, it freaked me out in a way. And there's something just, there's something lightning in a bottle about the movie with all of its rough edges. And I have a working theory about it, and I'll get to it as we go along. But I think it's the right movie at the right time, and it's at the right level for who Romero is as a filmmaker. I think it has its truest of all these films, to who he actually is. There are better-looking movies. There are better plotted movies, I guess. But there's something about this where, to me, it all comes together. And for that reason, and also in addition, when I'm thinking about film preservation, I'm thinking about the film that created, unintentionally, the modern zombie. Although, of course, they don't eat brains here. They eat flesh. The brain stuff comes from the living dead.
1: And there's not a lot of brain-eating
0: in Zombies. There's not a
1: lot of brain-eating. It is just that.
0: It's just Dan O'Bannon. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's just the tar man going, brain. If you want to talk about those, I can do that as well. Yeah. (laughs) Next year. Next year. (laughs) 2029, the year of Skynet. So here's what I would say. I'm going to give this thing a 10 out of 10. And of course, it's my number one. So it is going on to the short list. I was surprised by it. And I, and I was surprised. This one is the one that I actually am now finding myself going back to more. Dude, it's, I think it's an amazing movie,
1: <laughs> but I'd like Dawn and Day more. I'm sorry. But in terms well, speaking of,
0: of Dawn and Dead, it's time to keep moving. Let's go to 1979's Dawn of the Dead, which currently has a 93% on Rotten Tomatoes. So apparently most of the world agrees with you, Richard. In
2: 1968, George Romero brought us Night of the Living Dead. It became the classic horror film of its time. Now, George Romero brings us the most intensely shocking motion picture
1: experience for all times. Dawn of the Dead. Night of the living dead has ended. Dawn of the Dead is here.
0: It gets up and kills. The people it kills get up and kill they must be destroyed on
2: sight
1: when there is no more room in hell the dead will walk the earth dawn of the dead
2: this picture contains scenes of violence that may be considered shocking no one under 17 will be admitted
0: dawn of the dead well, of course was written and directed by george A. romero Depending on what version of this movie you listen to, it either has industrial stock music or it has music from Goblin and, and Dario Argento. It was released September first, nineteen seventy-eight, in Italy. Um, we'll get back to this Italian stuff. March twenty-seventh, nineteen seventy-nine, in Japan. April seventh, nineteen seventy-nine, in Dallas, Texas. April thirteenth, nineteen seventy-nine, in, in the United States, at a budget of six hundred and forty thousand dollars. This movie, and listen to that, $640,000. It returned, and we actually know what it returned $66 million. Four survivors take refuge in a mall as hordes of the recently deceased return from the dead and to their shopping. The thesis of the movie, right, is that the lust of conspicuous consumption extends beyond the grave and even beyond the end of the world, right? You could also say that the rich ignore the poor until they can't because. Essentially, as society crumbles, these four people uh, come in and essentially set themselves up in opulence, even in the face of where it's all meaningless. None of, none of this opulence means anything, but they wall themselves off from the dead. You could say that the dead of the poor people, then, a, then a, a, a gang of bikers comes in and they disturb the peace and blah, 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 blah. But this movie is mostly known for having 50 million different cuts. <laughs> Uh, having spawned the Argento zombie series, which we will break down in a few short seconds, and it's widely known as the thing that makes Tom Savini Tom Savini. This is where his makeup effects. He this is one of his first major jobs. He's a kid in Pittsburgh, who has been in the Vietnam War, was a wartime photographer, has been into makeup effects his entire life. Gets on this production, and then we have from here. The Friday the 13th series and everything else Tom Savini's ever touched, it all comes back down to here. And if there is one major strength of the film, it is the makeup effects. It is the gore it is the zombies it's the diversity of zombies of course they look a little bluish here and Savini's talked about this where basically this was done very cheap of course you know it's only done for less a little over half a million dollars so and Savini is at the beginning of his career so if you ever hear him talk which I'm sure you have Richard he would tell you like he looks at this as like fuck I I wouldn't do any of that like that." like that you know even a few short years later I think I think this is not my best work he likes a couple of the gags but he, he, he doesn't really, he's like, ah, I wasn't even as good as I was for the first Friday the 13th. Oh, man. So, I know, like, it's film.
1: like listening to, go, go listen to your first podcast. You're you No, thank you. Yeah, exactly. Right. Precisely. Yeah, you're always
0: good.
1: Yeah. It's <laughs> like, even if you're a fucking genius, it's kind of like, well, that sucks. You know, right. That's, that's what that is. I mean. So
0: um, here's what I watched for the first time in preparation for this podcast. I watched what they're calling the complete cut, which is where like they. The, it's too long. <laughs> it's
1: it's it's about three jo- hours long. George's favorite is the US Theatrical Cut. And that's yes. me. I, I take his, I take George's uh the that's extended is too long. It drags,
0: it drags the long one. So you essentially have basically to get this movie funded, because he didn't want to make a sequel. He was never intending, he went off to try to make some other movies. He never wanted to be pigeonholed as a horror guy. It was never his shtick. And he was on record of saying, I you know, I was done with it. We made the movie, it was what it was, blah, 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 blah. But he eventually comes back to it. He's got some ideas for it, but he can't get money for it. He can't get funding. And Dario Argento, likely because of what you said, where it hit Europe and Italy in particular and basically revolutionized their horror, uh, everything in their horror filmmaking, movie making. And it was taken as an art film and it was taken as this thing that it was just, it took on a life of its own. So Argento co-funds the movie basically and gives him the money to make it but the deal is, I'll give you money to make the movie stateside, but I have international distribution rights. And what that entailed was he could cut the movie however he saw fit for the international market. So we end up, and I get the, was tied into that. George was not a good businessman. <laughs> tied into that. He got international sequel rights. So now what we end up with is Ar- Argento's zombie series which hardcore horror fans will know, is the second branch off of the Romero Dead series. And what Argento's cut essentially does is it removes uh, the film library score elements that, that uh, our boy uh, Romero got on the cheap from just f- stock film music. He adds his own music. He adds a score from Goblin. <laughs> it reduces the comedy. It gets rid of some of the dialogue-heavy scenes. And it is actually the shortest. Argento's cut is the shortest. Of the three main ones and then he then gives it over to fulci as director and fulci goes off and he makes zombie 2 and so forth and so on and we get the zombie series and then ironically they are amazing in their own right in their own right for probably the wrong reasons anyway and then i then amazingly because italy is very loose on copyright law especially at this time there are unofficial zombie sequels that some of them are were more financially successful than some of the actual zombie sequels. So you have bootlegs of bootlegs, basically. There's like three films called
1: Zombie 3. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's the... the, the, there's the there's the Fulci Zombie 3, yes. which is actually directed by Bruno Mattei, I think. Right, and then there's right. two other completely unrelated yes. films that they released as Zombie 3. And Zombie, then zombie three. 4. Yeah. And then, it, yeah, it's I love it though. Um, I'm so, from a part of England that's particularly well known for its uh, inbreeding. And I just find it <laughs> nice. <laughs>
0: Well, Richard, I'm looking at a fucking chart of it that I had to download off of the internet <laughs> as we speak, and it's literally just color quadrants, movie posters, <laughs> and arrows going in every direction.
1: <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't get a nosebleed just looking at it, man. Little, little
0: well, I'm looking at it right now, it, and it, it, yeah, uh, and we didn't even get in the fact because neither Living Dead has no copyright on it. You could, well, you and I could make a movie and call it Neither Living Dead. Yeah, and and people have. And people have. And so jets. many, and they keep
1: coming out, and they're dreadful, <laughs> yes.
0: and oh, geez. So we, yeah. uh, Richard and I would like to announce here that we're going to be releasing a movie straight to YouTube called Night of Living 4D. Yep. Written by the direct... <laughs> smell a vision You'll smell yeah. the flesh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, the stink uh, of flesh.
1: Yeah. Uh, we're going to record it all entirely over
0: soon. <laughs> yes. It's, oh, yes, yes. You're going to run around there. with a
1: laptop, and I'm going to sort of direct <laughs> you, and it's for a,
0: to- a webcam. I think that movie is called Diary of the Dead, if I'm not mistaken. I think they already made it. (laughs) Crumbs. There's the can. Okay, back to these cuts. There's actually the can cut, which is the original cut of the film that he screened Mm. because the movie debuted at the Cannes Film Festival. And then Romero said he didn't like it, so he trimmed it. That's one of the longer Mm. ones. Mm. And then you have the Romero cut, but it's basically the U.S. theatrical cut, which yes, is the main the one most people know that you I, I view it as the, it's the,
1: it's the definitive version. I think it's and the so did Romero. It's the most sensible, yeah. Well, I yeah, take so did Romero. The big man, you know
0: what I mean? That's a- yep. But then there's this thing called the hybrid slash complete cut, which I watched for the first time. It edits all three cuts together into a movie that's over two and a half hours long. And some people believe it's the best cut because it actually uses music and character development from all of the films. So it's some of the stock stuff. It's some of the Goblin score. It's some of the comedy beats, but some of the more dialogue-heavy beats restored. It's It's so, more gore. It's this, that. It's, but here's what it ends up being. It's completely unofficial, by the way. It ends up being very jarring. This is my review of that cut. Because they're pulling pieces of film from... Three different releases that were color corrected by different people. None of the color correction matches. It's of, uh, it is a it is a very bad fan edit at, at best, is what I would say. I've and I've turned a, a turn of phrase that I use with
1: Duncan, so interrupt, and it's that I like Christmas cake, but I don't want to eat a whole one at gunpoint. <laughs> that's that's that is just too much. It's, it's too, too much, much of I a good thing. It. Yes, I don't, I don't want it. It's too much, and it jars. Yeah, this Christmas cake has just random nuts and bolts in it and bits of rock. Like, it's just like <laughs> what are you doing? Like, why is there beef in here?
0: <laughs> I know you're gonna wax poetic about this movie, and rightfully so. But the thing is to me that was most definitive or most standout is of all of these movies, this poster in the United States. And, and the actual, uh, uh, it's not even so much box art, but the the, stand, the, the store stand-ins that they would sell mm-hmm. where it's, you know, cardboard or whatever. This was in every fucking video store in the United States the mom and pops until the late 90s. The Dawn of the Dead fucking post, the imagery the poster, this stuff just hung around in the culture. If you're a kid born in the late 70s or even born... I guess in mid eighties and you were around in the late eighties, early nineties, mid nineties, stateside and had mom and pop video stores. Dawn of the dead was a thing. How was it in the UK? What is this? What it's, what was its reputation? when you were a kid, we were roughly the same age. And mm. Mm. what does this movie mean to you? This is the movie that made me
1: want to make movies. This mm. is the film that showed me what was possible and what I could do. You know, even if my friends, when I started small, I watched this film. I became fascinated by it. I learned its story. I learned about Night of the Living Dead. And I was like, I, I could do that. You know, this has put me on the path I'm on. This, is that, this film is that important to me. Mm. Um, so obviously I'm going to be completely objective about it. Um, <laughs> so basically uh, it didn't have that here in the same way. It was released. I think it was, it was originally called Zombies. Um, and if you watch Zombies, Dawn of the Dead, and if you watch Spaced, Tim has that poster in his front room, which I used to have. Oh, wow. And um, so, you know, they weren't going to call it zombie, but they called it zombies. And sometimes you would get a, a a cut where when it says dawn of the day at the end, it was just kind of blocked out in black. Um, I think the thing that really broke it for a lot of people, it was on video um, and, you know, kind of cineasts knew about it. What really broke it for people of my generation was, uh, it was on BBC two. Um, one weekend or one week night, it was on BBC Two at like 10pm and uh, we taped it because my brother, my brother was so good at getting me into good movies. He's kind of like, look, this thing Dawn of the Dead's on, we should watch this thing Dawn of the Dead. And mm-hmm. we just played like Resident Evil. Um, So this is probably about 1998 or something. I think Resident Evil yeah, two was on right. the way. And my brother was like, we have to watch this movie Dawn of the Dead. And they, they were doing these trailers cut for BBC Two. This is like a public broadcaster here. Yeah. And yeah. and it, it was like with the music and it was kind of like, why do they come here? and all that stuff. And it was just like, Oh my God, this looks insane because it was so big. And so the scale of it. And I think we'll get yeah. to that, but that's why the makeup's way it is, because this has scale. Yeah. And um we taped it. And it used to be the case that so I lived across the road from my school. So we used to come home for lunch from school. So like the first time I watched like Pulp Fiction and Goodfellas and Reservoir Dogs and Dawn of the Dead and Texas Chainsaw was in 45-minute sections because <laughs> my mum and dad shit. were at work. My mum and yeah, dad at right. work, so we'd come home from school, watch 40, 50 minutes, go back to school, go to classes, and then they'd be like, okay, guys, like, back mine tomorrow to watch the second half of Dawn of the Dead or the Wow. Third so we watched it in pieces. And like this film was – I watched it, and it just set my imagination on fire because then I was having zombie dreams. Like, oh, what would I do? And then I was kind of like, oh, fuck! Well, and me and my brother would be like, say, so do, do we go north where it's cold? Do they have blood? Does it freeze? Like, where would we put the food? We live in the countryside where it's flat. We could get on bicycles. We're quite close to the countryside. Like, talking about it, you know, thinking about all the ways you can do wow. it. And then rooting out all of the stuff we could find. There was Clive Barker had a show on Channel 4 in the UK. It's another public broadcaster um, called Clive Barker's A to Z of Horror. And Clive Barker did little pieces about it. BBC Two, I think, had a little editorial about it to go with the screenings. BBC used to be very good, and Channel 4 used to be very good. they show a movie, and they'd be an editorial first. So you'd have a learned film critic come out and discuss the movie for five minutes before it came on. There's a thing called Videodrome that was on, and then Mark Kermode, he might know of, did a similar thing on Channel 4. So there was yeah. discussion of it. And then I did, I started studying film a few years later in about the year 2000, 2001. And I was able to get hold of books and stuff and read about it and find out more. And then I got, I imported the Anchor Bay DVD when I was like 17 or whatever to pull it you Region 1 from the US, send it over and get a DVD player that would play it, learn all about it. And um it just set my mind on fire, this movie. It was incredible. And I, I just think knowing the sen- what this film does, this film has an insane sense of scale for the budget. Like, it, it feels like an epic. It's like a horror epic made for no money. And you find about how they did it and stuff, like the yeah. scope of it. And then the fact that it's saying something and it's really got a lot to say. And it's funny. It's scary. It's goofy. It's sad. Like, it's got, and it never, it's never a kind of a breakneck sort of switch in tone. You know, it manages to juggle all these tones beautifully. I, I just think it's honestly sublime. I think it's one of the most amazing films ever made um, for for a variety of reasons. It's not just the effects. I just think the writing, I just think the social realism, like one of the most effective scenes in the film is a bunch of people in a beige room talking about an abortion.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, like that's incredible. And it felt like in Britain, we have a director called Ken Loach and those are the kind of uh, great British directors who did social realist films that were very often about like interracial marriage abortion infanticide divorce and it would go it had its moments that felt like that it was like it was like watching a serious socially conscious movie um and then someone gets a pie in the face and it's like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, I, I, sorry, to just, that was just a big wank that I did for about four minutes. I, I honestly think it's a work of genius. I, I really do. I, I think the Eurosexual the cut is the best version of it. But I think it just has so much to say. It has so much to do. And it's entertaining. I think you can completely watch it as an entertaining diversion. Like, it's very much the alien to Night of Living Dead's alien. Aliens to alien you know what I mean yeah. it takes the concept and expands the scope
0: Richard this episode only exists for you to wank off so hey
1: I better get my meat
0: out sorry <laughs>
1: <laughs> not um, a video
0: show no it's not but it's for my viewing only <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> you're my private dancer, <laughs> dancer I even, I tell he's not even, you reco- he's not even recording <laughs> this <laughs> it's not going to be staring yeah. <laughs> It's for this my private pub- collection. This is for my collection. Yes. Um, actually, what I'll do is I'll just stick it behind a paywall and charge people to hear you talk about the things right. you like. Only fans it. Only fans it. <laughs> um, is this the second best headshot in film history? Which first, of you course, mean? is because there's a there's a lot. Oh, you mean the
1: shotgun blast at the start? Yes. No. Yeah. Yeah, in, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. the whole story, isn't it? Because it's supposedly Galen Ross's head that they put a beard on. <laughs> did you know did you know did you know that
0: i did know that yes yeah 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 it's, it's definitely painted s- very obviously painted black when, it's, when, it's when definitely. You look at it's not- like yeah there's so yeah. many
1: bananas things like the guy's head unraveling under the helicopter he walks yes. out of a big square frankenstein head and it's like well <laughs> yes. oh look it's it's chekhov's big square frankenstein head <laughs> right, and yeah. there's the machete <laughs> to the head which is a great bit of what to yes. do with reverse motion there's yes. um so when I watched this, because obviously you've got the, the big exploding head. It's not as good as scanners, but it is great. Um, when I watched this, I was like, people get shot in the head a lot. Like a lot. <laughs> like <it's laughs> a lot, like yes. A lot. And there's all those perspective shots down the scope. Yeah. And it's just, because that's like fishing wire morticians waxing a penny, isn't it?
0: Yeah, they're so pulling they it. yeah.
1: squib and they pull really clever, really clever in-camera shit. Yep. Because um, I know... The, the kind of goofiness of the effects and stuff, because he wanted it to have a comic book palette, he says. And, and it's lit flat so they could cover quickly. So it was very yes. guerrilla. Because, so, like, the biker scene apparently was just chaos, and they just covered it like a documentary, like multiple units as a documentary crew.
0: So, you know, oh boy, for the sake of boring our audience, let's get into it. So essentially mm. they had the Monroeville Mall, which I've been to, because, again, it's just down the road from me, uh, uh, when it was there. I think it might still be there. Or maybe they demolished I, it just recently. Oh what! I think, Baby, yeah. yep. I, think still, I think it's still there. I'm gonna Google it. I think it's still there. I've so, been there. Uh, I've driven by it many times. And I've stop showing there. off. Um, <laughs> it's just a mall, buddy.
1: <laughs> I know. To you? <laughs> nah. It's, this is what the thing. So I would. I oh, know it's still there by look of it. And I say for Okay. There. Okay. I would go there and be like, hey, yeah, this is just a mall.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah well if you do go there if you ever find yourself there let me know because it's literally down the road we can meet in real life sweet um so here here here's what it is okay so so the mall was operational and this is mm-hmm. when we're talking malls we're talking malls in america this was the heyday of mall culture you spent your day there you went to them you bought clothes there you went to the movies there you went to a nice dinner there you saw a show there you went to the arcade there like like there was this idea where Americans and people around the world, but Americans had become obsessed with the indoor mall. And of course mm-hmm. that would influence a lot of the West coast culture of the eighties. And they did whole movies about it, like Valley girl and all this sort of stuff. This is almost a little bit ahead of its time because it's, it's hitting the late seventies. And he's sort of noticing this consumer credit card base consumption, almost proto Reagan, uh, spend, spend, spend to uh, save the economy sort of mentality. And he's commenting on it, um, which is the genius of the film. Cause it's actually sort of a forward thinking movie, which is hard for us to register now because it's so old, but the movie was operational. He j- this was a local mall. He knew the business guy who ran them all because he was still an industrial filmmaker, even though now he's working on theatrically released films, most of which had not been successful after night of the living dead. Um, He strikes a deal where at nighttime, they could shoot in the mall, but everything had to be out and everything had to be pristinely cleaned by the time that fucking mall opened at 6 a.m. or whatever. So they basically had like clothes to open to to set up, do everything they had to do, all the special effects, all of the chaos, all of the zombies, all the dialogue, all the coverage, everything and then tear down and get everything out of there. And they had to do that over and over again with a very small window of time because they had no fucking money to make this movie. Also, it was winter, a really bad winter. (laughs) And it was a, yeah, that's exactly right. And it was a horrible (laughs) winter. And you're right. Savini said he was influenced by like EC Comics. And so he kind of wanted to have the EC Comic look. That's why they're kind of more greenish blue. And they almost have like a Crypt Keeper kind of look to him if you've ever seen the old EC Comics before the Comics Code. Because he was heavily influenced by that. And that's where he kind of got into the old monster movies and old comic books, is what got him into thinking about makeup and stuff. So, yeah, it makes sense. And Romero's way of doing stuff, and correct me if I'm wrong in any of this, but Romero's way of doing stuff was what he would essentially place a camera or a few cameras, and he would just shoot. And he would shoot, yeah. and, shoot and 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 shoot. And he found the movie in the edit. He has a very, he had an uncommonly high ratio. Yeah. Like an insane ratio. And so he would just get as much coverage as he could and then try to find it in the edit is basically how he would do it. And that's why it's
1: flat. That's why the colors are flat. It's flat comic book colors because it's got that, oh, I want EC Comics, but also it's just practical because you can light it flat, shoot it from four different angles and not have to change the setups and just move on.
0: That's exactly right. And when you can't really fuck around with your equipment because you have mere hours every night to shoot this shit, you can't, you can you, I mean, you know, you work on sets and you've done lighting and you, you shoot film and you, you've done all of it. It takes fucking forever. If you're like, ah, that doesn't quite look right. Or we now got to move five feet over here. All of a sudden now, you know, you got to call a guy, film, Richard, or you're the guy going in. Shooting
1: film, man. I have shot film and I'll never do it again. Yeah. Fuck what Christopher Nolan says. It's a nightmare. Like and they, had no, they had no choice then. They had no yeah. choice then. It was yeah. just, this is the way it was done.
0: You know, you're going to sit there for 45 minutes or an hour or however long it takes until they get that lighting right so you can get your mm, shot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and yeah. you can't do that when you have <laughs> a half a million dollars and a, and a functional mall you're shooting it in. You yeah. can't do it. Your mate's mall that he's
1: letting you in at nighttime, and you're just yeah. crashing. <laughs> it's like there's just these fucking geezers
0: smashing up TVs with sledgehammers. It's like, oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> yeah, then you got to clean it all up and get the fuck out of there before anybody notices. That's exactly right.
2: Mm.
0: The the thing about this movie As opposed to Night of the Living Dead Is there's something inherently more memorable About the movie Not just because of the gore effects People being guts being ripped apart And all this sort of shit That's obviously more memorable The pie gag The bonk mm. Yeah Yeah um, there's something about uh, the horny racist cop SWAT team guy who's like, I'm going to the uh, yeah, yeah. blow their little asses off. Yeah, I'm going to blow their little asses off. You're like, oh, what yeah. is wrong with this guy?
1: We can't repeat what he actually says. <laughs> no. Because it's very racial. <laughs> racially <laughs> yes. charged. It's a-
0: um, You get, uh, my, you know my favorite, favorite fucking line from this movie or s- a series of lines? Is the science guy with the eye patch? Who they they show him twice? He's yeah. on the news footage. He's he's from the crazies. Yeah, he's from America's Maybe the crazies. Yeah, yeah. He's from he's he's in news footage at the beginning before it's like well, things are starting to go a little skew, but we're like we think we can control this, you know. And then at the end, when everything is completely broken down, it's just like a guy with a oh, barely lit set, and they're talking about it, and he's just rubbing his temple, and he's like dummies 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 we're down to the line
1: folks we're down to the line it's not the republicans versus the democrats this is
0: not the republicans versus the democrats they've got us in the hole economically or we're in another war it's more crucial than that we are down to the line folks we are down to the line there are no divisions among
1: among living like that because that's when Rogers coming back, and because we have, and the point is we can share the perspective of the characters who have sealed themselves off from society and put themselves yeah. into the palatial opulence, and they have to yes. watch society collapse via television, and they know it's finally gone because they stop getting a signal, and, and yes. Flyboy just won't stop watching it.
0: Yes. He, he,
1: he watches the test card day in day out. It's fucking yes. rough. It feels so real. It's just, you know watching society collapse from within your. Your luxury,
0: your bubble, yeah,
1: your bubble, yeah. It's fucking uh, amazing. It's my favourite moment Uh, of that movie when Roger comes back and you've got the eye patch guy. Put down yes. the line, folks. It's fucking, you know your political yeah. divisions don't exist anymore. You have to be rational. You have and certain
0: yeah, and at a certain point, it's almost as if he's just talking to himself because he's mm-hmm. he's just rubbing yeah. his subways like you have to be rational. rational. Yeah, you have, you to, have to, be to be logical. Logic is the oh, only thing logical. that can save us now. Scientists Cold, unfeeling logic, panic. and his logical hell. Logical hell. <laughs> yeah, his logic is basically like we can't. He said, like, We are they already outnumber us,
1: so yeah, we, yeah. we can't
0: get rid of the living dead. We just it. have to feed them. It's his what, and we yeah. only barely hear his argument because we're cutting back and forth. And,
1: yeah, and that's the, it thread, seems it's th-
0: the thread that day of the dead picks up, correct? It seems to be that he's saying, Take some people and fucking just feed them, domesticate these zombies almost mm. is what kind of mm. what you gather, which sounds horrific. And he's like, We can't think in terms of like. Ceremonies and funerals and whatnot. We just have to think logically about this. Or well, we're we're not going to survive. There will be nobody left alive. The
1: bodies of the recently dead will be handed over to specially equipped squads of the National Guard. That, that. <laughs> and yeah. and the, the man the 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 fucking the SWAT team scene at the beginning, which does have um, it the the they're keeping their dead in the basement because they they still believe in funerary rites. Yeah. But it's led to this kind of huge disaster. It also has uh, John Amplus, who played Martin, and his Ted in Day of the Dead. He plays the uh, quote-unquote Puerto Rican guy. Yes, yes. Unfortunately, it's him with brown boot polish on his face.
0: Yeah, um, there's definitely a brown face. And it's a weird <sighs> thing because that entire scene is a commentary. Now Romero's in on it, right? He's had so much, had a decade of feedback about the political, yeah. civil yeah. rights, racial commentary. So now he's like he's okay. Now, now that it was in there by happens a stance, now I'm going to actually put it in there. Cause it just, you know, it just so happens again, as a left guy, a leftist sort of guy, this kind of makes sense. And this, this was my perspective anyways. So I might as well just be kind of in control of that part of the narrative and put it into the movie. So the whole rate of that tenement of, Basically, these people have been ghettoized because it's all of these immigrants and people of different colors and people from the Caribbean and, you know, this sort of stuff. And, and it's these white cops, these white SWAT guys, predominantly white, who are just going in. And the one guy is obviously a, just, a, just a raving racist sex offender weirdo. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it's just like sh- just going from door to door, just shooting people indiscriminately, whether they're zombies or not or ghouls or not. And then that's how we're introduced to Peter and Roger. Peter just fucking kills the guy. And it's important that they're <laughs> masked, because
1: P- Peter shoots him when he's masked. You see yes. Roger. Peter shoots him when he's masked, and he unmasks, and he's an African-American character.
0: Yep. And and, and nobody, says nobody says shit.
1: Nobody says shit. And it's yet another, you know, one of the heroic leads. The heroic leads are virtually always black guys in the um, Yeah. movies. Yeah, so
0: yeah that's scene. exactly right.
1: Or, or at least one of the, you know the the key trio, for example, in Deadpool.
0: Um, What's interesting here, though, is with this film, this the the scene where you have you know Peter Flyboy it was Stephen Roger, and I always forget the the female character's name. What's her name? Uh, Fran. And Fran. That's right. The the so you basically have a uh, two people from the news and two people from the SWAT team and the newspapers they see what stuff is going on before it's going on they're like we gotta get the fuck out of here we're gonna take the weather traffic helicopter steal it get the Mm -hmm. fuck out of here and and he flyboy knows uh roger they're friends and then roger basically says to peter like this is fucked like we're not gonna be we can't stop it now i don't want to just be killing people or the recently dead like just uh, i can't do this anymore let's get the fuck out of here and they get in the helicopter they have no plan they don't know where they're gonna go they're just trying to get away from populated areas and just try to survive. Yeah. What's really interesting is when Peter says to him, because they're talking about like, he's like, oh, look at all that looting down there or something. And Roger goes like, we're, we're not out here doing him. traffic reports. Yeah, yeah. We're not out <laughs> here doing traffic reports. Yeah. He goes, we're, we're the we're bad guys. Now. That's exactly we're what we're the what bad we are we're the Sorry, bad guys i will just
1: quote this film and- yeah
0: that's it though that's the line we're it's amazing now. It,
1: it, we're it, the it's, bad guys it's when you what is so effective about that in, in it's immediacy because from the beginning you see fran and and steven when you're introduced to these characters fran is you know in a relationship with with steven Right. Yeah. She seems to be the one who's got it together. He's a bit of a, a bit of an impulsive schmuck. He's a TV weather guy. Yeah. Roger's Roger's a cop who's Steven's mate. Peter is just some guy. Like they've bonded over having to kill a bunch of zombies in a basement. And then he turns yeah. up to their secret escape and kind of goes, Oh, I've got just some dude with me. And immediately there's tension. Because like, yes. like Steve was just like, this, this fucking armed guy. Like, you're a cop. He's a cop. I don't know him. He's in my fucking yeah. elephant. Why am I feeding him? Why am I flying him? But also, Stephen's a schmuck. Like, as soon as they land at the airport, all he can do is, sorry, to use a British expression, drop bollocks everywhere, which he's fucking up all the time. And yeah. um, and Stephen has to fucking bail him out. And, and he's like, never, what is it? He goes, uh, never point a gun at anyone, mister, unless you intend to pull the trigger or whatever he says to him. Yes, Because, right. you know, he's just, he's not trained in firearms, so he's just fucking shooting guns and stuff. The development, the, the built-in relationships in these characters, the performances and the way they develop are so rounded. They really, You totally buy everything they
0: do and say. You talk about this movie being epic in a sense, and it is, but I think the movie's greatest strength is all of the, the biggest events in the film happen in the quiet moments between the characters. And here's what I mean. You talked about they watch essentially the end or the collapse of society on television. We don't get B-roll. We don't get cut to. We don't even get B-roll from the news of, oh, my God, look at the city's collapsing. We don't get that. It's just, and first of all, you know, this is like 1970s regional television when people actually talked about ideas and stuff on TV. It, it, we don't do that anymore anywhere in the world. But don't have experts on where they just talk about different theories. We don't, we don't do that anymore. Mm. But that's all it is. All it is is a conversation of a guy at the the it's the you're watching the dying of the light on that tv set the light is about to go out
1: they're sat behind the scenes (sharp) of a tv set with ladders in the background and like the guy is hunting with the lens and focusing and like when you know when they're doing the talk show at the very beginning the dude runs past and throws up the bunny ears behind the two guys because chaos reigns the lunatics run the asylum like the the discussion is like why are we even doing this why are we still broadcasting and steven's like well we just have to go like what's yes. the point? We just have to leave. But it the starts, cop walks off. The cop leaves at the start. Yes,
0: the breaking of social norms is already beginning. But we don't. We see a little bit. Well, you know who we really see it. We see it with the characters in that conversation about we're the thieves now. Mm. We're thieves. We're bad guys. The social norms have been thrown out the window. The fact that we're in this helicopter, it already means society's gone. Mm. the The world has already ended. <laughs> and it, it, it's this is gonna sound really grim but after what we've been through the last few years globally mm. we've always imagined the end of the world like a marvel movie where you know some, some outside force is going to come in or some event is going to happen and the world's literally going to explode the planet's going to explode and we're all going to be over and romero's vision of the end of the world is it's just going to be creeping death it's going to yeah. be slow. It's going to come at you. Everything's going to fall apart. One piece at a fucking time. The point where you barely even notice it. And by the time you notice that society has collapsed, it's already been gone Yeah, long before that.
1: You're not going to get snapped out of existence by Thanos. You're going to get bludgeoned to death for the last hit of dog food
0: yes basically
1: it's 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 this intensely bleak real version the circumstances aren't real that's not the point you're not supposed to examine yeah. why the zombies yep. are there that's not what it's how society reacts to it and what happens to a group of people if you give them every you know if you give people everything they want at the end of the world it, it's meaningless you know yes. their lives become meaningless and they have a montage at the beginning well, not the beginning, but they're the montage when they get to the mall of them getting all the money, playing all the arcade games, taking all the cleaning up, and it's and oh yeah. Then, and
0: they take the money and go, hey, you never know. And they do the thing with the bank and with, the thing. Yeah. The bank.
1: Yeah. Later yeah. in the movie, when Fran's pregnant and they've bedded in and they've made their home, yeah. um and they've got everything they need, it's that sad kind of Django Reinhardt esque sort of guitar. And it's just decay. They have everything, but it's meaningless. And, like, yeah. and it even cuts, it cuts to, at the start of that montage, one of the zombies they shot earlier decayed into a skeleton to demonstrate yeah. decay as a concept and the passage of time. And they're numb. Yeah. They're numb because nothing means anything. And and, and you know what? They've sealed themselves off from the poor, which is the zombies. But when the bikers turn up, you know... You, 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 you could have shared with us, but you just fucked up real bad, all that. Exactly. They are not good dudes. Like one of them is wearing an SS helmet. They're not right. good guys, but, but, you know, they've taken it all for themselves. They, they're victims of their own greed.
0: This movie is a bead on actual human nature and the continued cyclical problems that we have, which is the wealthy, the, the, the entrenched, the ensconced, they can seal themselves off with their wealth from, from all the world's problems. But the world's still ending, and it's it's and the only people that are gonna survive are the most feral, the most nasty, the most evil. And again, these ideas don't sound all that revolutionary because yeah, I've watched The Walking Dead, or yeah, I've watched dystopian horror movies or dystopian films or dystopian sci-fi for the last 40 years. I think what you and I are trying to get at here is: this is the source code, this is the DNA. This is the yeah. genesis of so many of those ideas. Oh,
1: this is, other- this is the thing. If you showed this to people now, they would just go, uh, whatever. And it's like, yeah. you know, there was nothing like this for ages. There was
0: nothing like this. The best you could maybe could have done is find something in a Richard Matheson short story or novel, of which the original film originally started off as an attempt to adapt. Uh, and uh, Romero I, even refers to it as
1: a rip-off of I Legend, bless him. Yeah, is not that, right. But that's what he calls it.
0: Yeah. And, uh, and not the Will Smith, the, where it's like they're fucking zombies. The actual I Am Legend, which is extremely well-written, but very fucking bleak story about one guy and the mundanity of his life of just living as the last, potentially the last human being on Earth and trying to kill fucking vampires in the, during the daylight and then sealing himself off from the rest of the world, drinking himself into oblivion so he doesn't go insane from them sc- they're howling and caterwauling outside of his walls. And then only for the fucking story to end with the revelation that no, 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 no. Society's flipped. Yeah. Since everybody's now vampires, you're You. Now. Yeah. <laughs> you last mortal man are the thing that creeps in while they're sleeping and murders their children. Mm. Mm. You're the monster, which is what the whole fucking I am legend is because they, they have a fucking trial for the guy <laughs> and that's yeah. the end they're like yeah. they're, they they have a trial at night and they're going to fucking hang him because he's a mass murderer he's a monster mm. because again the world ended and he didn't realize yeah it. Y- your society's done you're over you, yeah you're, you're over and there's something more existentially horrific to what if the world ended and you didn't even notice because enough of yeah. it was so automated, it just kept going. And that mm-hmm. there's a tone of that in this movie. The world ended. But that mall's fucking automated. So the fountain's gonna kick on, the music's gonna play, the shit's gonna Set. be on the shelves. Flip all those switches and the fountain yep. like, music. And it's just
1: say, like, Yeah. And then when they when they leave at the end, did a little and it's all still going off, And the clocks still turn. I love the shot of the clock because time marches on. And, yeah. you know, they're in there eating perfume bottles and stuff and pulling T-shirts over their heads or whatever. Yeah. You know, it's amazing. I, th- I think, touching your earlier point, you know, these are people that have traded their morality for material goods. Yes. But ultimately, they're faced with people that have no morality. And the people that have no morality are the ones that are going to inherit the earth. Um, but they're all undone by their greed. And then the zombies get to eat
0: all the perfume. <laughs> yeah you know, that's the, that's it, well the, that's the thing the the last shots of them all the zombies get it yeah so so there the was dead inherit to
1: begin with that's a point yeah
0: in- the dead inherit the world right so oh. um is the the actor who plays stephen is he the is he the greatest zombie performer of all time? It's fucking astonishing
1: i i, I david Emge. It, I, I because I've watched him talk about that. And his process and he's considered where he was wounded and how that would affect him. And he's with all the hero zombies, because this movie has many hero zombies. But he's with all the hero zombies when he comes through the, the dry Yeah. firstly he has hero makeup, so he looks better.
0: Yeah. But he's acting the For those that screen. don't know, when you say hero, I know what you mean. But for those that don't know, what Sorry, do you mean by hero? Yes, of
1: well, you, typically in, in, in makeup or costume, uh, the, the hero makeup or costume is more detailed and more expensive because it will go on a lead actor or or uh, someone who's who's prioritizing the frame. So the hero zombies in this film are certain zombies that get a lot of screen time because they're particularly wacky or goofy or carry certain props. So this has the nurse and the kind of dad guy in the jumper and the bark Arco kit going guy and the nun. And yeah. the winona Ryder one with the headscarf, and the Frankensteiny, right. the other Frankensteiny one that likes carrying the rifle around, um, right? So there, because this has that, like the, everyone was slapped with grey makeup, but the more hero zombies got more appliances to their faces, right? Because it, it's all very kind of, not, I don't want to say generic, but you know, uniform in this movie, yeah, right. Um, and David Emge's uh, zombie it's astonishing I, I just think his performance is horrible and, and and the whole point is that he remembers and he knows and that's you know they, they don't know why they just remember all, you know all that stuff yeah. is driven home is like there's something in them that knows there's something in them that's still there and something i think and i think it comes from that kind of leftist perspective with romero is that like he view the zombies aren't evil necessarily they don't they just don't know they can't help what's happened to them and yeah. they're kind of, they're they're victims as much as anybody else is, and they are the victims. They're literally the victims of themselves. You know,
0: and getting to your point of the the pity, pitiable nature of them, the the only the the last gleam of humanity in them is the desire to shop or to return to the shopping mall. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the only the only thing like like the, there's residual humanity, but it's yeah. just greed. It's just consumption
1: and and viewing you know at that time and again indoor malls were quite new and viewing them as a place of worship essentially you know if it was a film set in the 10th century they might all go to the church Right, but it's not. They go yeah. to the palace of consumerism, yeah. and then they engage in it mindlessly, which is the kind of point. You know, now people kind of go oh, to. I had someone on a stream go kind of go, "Oh, what the zombies are consumers? Oh my god, it's like so basic." And it's like this came out fifty years ago. You fucking <laughs> like, like it was new then. It's not. Yeah, yet. It's, it's trite now because everybody's seen this. That's yes. where everybody's, that
0: comes and, from, and everybody's mindlessly copied it, and. Uh. On top of that, again, to your point, the indoor shopping malls like this, the big indoor shopping malls, not little strip malls, but at this, were still relatively new. So it isn't just that like he's doing a very obvious commentary on consumerism, whatever, whatever. This is 1978. You know, 1979. This is this is this is at the 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 verge of the shopping mall explosion that we would get in the 80s and mall culture and and the ridiculous consumption and yuppie culture and it's bef- he the, he's critiquing something before it even fucking existed. It's insane. It's Reagan before it happened. Yes, it's fucking insane because like Robocop, critiques he's Reagan critiquing the whilst it's happening. Crit- yeah, he's critiquing the next decade
1: yeah he's he's like this is like jimmy carter still right era yes and, and, yes. and, and he's already fucking he skipped ahead to reagan yeah he already like, exactly like, right. he knows it's fucking amazing there's a he's incredible. Really, yeah. I don't on that alone yeah you know i i just yeah. i just think it's 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 absolutely inspired i really i really do and i just think everything's got to say and it, it always feels like a gut punch every time i watch it Because I know what's going to happen. I I know what's going to happen. I know it's going to fall apart. But uh, it's much like watching He-Man when I was four. I'm just just sort of like, (laughs) oh, no, He-Man's going to die. He's not, you cretin. It's 20 minutes and he always wins. Like, we're we're much like doing the dead. I'm going to like, maybe they'll figure it out. They're not going to figure it out, Richard. You've been doing this for 25 years.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think this is the third best head explosion in film history. (laughs) <laughs> uh, of, of this earlier era, I think the first one is Scanners, and then the second one is The Prowler. You ever seen The Prowler?
1: I've never seen The Prowler. No.
0: It's an okay film. It's a slasher film. It's it's. I think it's better than its reputation, but it has one of the best head explosions I've ever seen. If you're ranking that between this and Scanners,
1: I I need to watch The Prowler. I think.
0: Yeah, just I'm just talking about just on the head explosion sort of thing. <laughs> Maybe I'll put
1: YouTube just for the heads. Yeah, yeah,
0: and then yeah. it's this film. But this film, yeah. obviously, this film's earlier than both of those so it, it you know it's it, it's i think a bunch of people saw the head explode in this movie and go we could do that we can put dog food in a, in a fucking head and blow <laughs> it up and do a little bit better than and that is, and so i think this
1: and scanners are both someone shooting ahead with a real shotgun
0: yes um to get the, yeah. the
1: effects it's tom safini just that's what i love about this it's a bunch of, when i was a kid we used to just like go and set fire and blow shit up and this is like, this is again, when I watch this, it's kind of like, oh, we do that, but I could get paid for it. Like, this is really dangerous, <laughs> irresponsible filmmaking, yeah. which I'm a huge fan of. Big, big fan there,
0: of. There's a few things about the movie. I do feel like there's a bit of a lull in the middle. And I know that there's that's, it's like where some of my favorite parts are. And it's also where some of my least favorite parts are. And it gets hard. It's going to get really hard when we get to the next movie. Because again, I have this thing that I that I it's like a my my thesis of on Romero but I know Ben or, or Peter I, I apologize Peter originally was like hey I'm just fuck it you get in the helicopter uh, I'm just gonna stay here and die or kill myself and they're like "Ooh, that's a little too bleak so they eventually had did they did another ending where he actually gets in the helicopter with her he rallies at the end and that to me fe- does not feel tonally consistent with where the movie is heading. And also, the American cut adds in this A Team style music, where it's like, bum, "That's ba-da, so bum, weird because it's so like the A Team."
1: <laughs> I've always thought that it's so like the A Team, but it's
0: yeah. like oh, okay, and he's yeah, like, like and he's like, you know, he's obviously he's punching zombies in the face and he's climbing up. And how much gas do we have? Not much. <laughs> No, we'll see where it takes us, and then the movie ends. And then it, but then it ends again, like you said, with Dawn of the Dead, and it's very bleak, delimit, and the music delimit, goes bleak delimit, again. It's delimit. like, so this wasn't why Blah. put in a, a, a pseudo happy ending that isn't the real ending of the movie? That's always bothered me. Uh, I, I kind of like it, I'll tell you
1: for why. I, I think, like, uh, so he was for those of you at home, uh, Peter puts a derringer to his head, and the original scripted, yeah, he shoots himself. And then Fran gets out of the helicopter and sticks her head in the blade of the helicopter, which is an ins- yes. insanely cartoonish way to end your film. Would have been amazing. Yes. A pregnant lady decapitating
0: herself would just be like, yes. oh, Killing okay, herself that- and her unborn child. Yes,
1: Yeah, that tops the first movie by quite a chalk. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, do you remember the civil rights yeah. allegory? Yeah, but the lady put her head in a blade. Um, <laughs> also, Chekhov's man getting his head cut off by a helicopter because they do it yes. in the movie. Yes. Yeah. Um, What I like about what they do, I really think what the ending of this film does, it doesn't put you in a good place because, like you say, they kind of go from good to bad. Because it's like a pregnant woman is piloting a man with like four bullets left in a helicopter with no fuel, and she's about (laughs) to. Like they're yeah. fucked. Like they're, yeah. they're going to land in a field somewhere. She starts shitting a baby out. Then they get eaten. <laughs> it's just like okay. I mean, like I like that it's open ended because you can you can fan wank your own ending. All you yeah, want. Yeah, right. But you know, and also I think Romero was like they've been through so much. I want them to at least get away. And then yes. it's not my problem anymore. And also, almost doesn't matter how, how it ends. It's how they got there and what happens. It's the point. Mm. I think the I think the scripted ending would have been too much of a bummer. Cuz what 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 I find quite funny is that people forget cuz this had quite a kind of a, a comparatively jolly tone compared to the first one.
0: Oh yeah. People were right, really correct.
1: turned off by Day of the Dead. People were really turned off by Day of the Dead for not being like this. Yeah. It's like no 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 you get like when bands release the first album very different second album and the third album is like the first one. It's like, no, no, yes. it was like this to begin with. Like, this is really? how it started. Like, because Day of the Dead is so dour. We're getting there, but Day of the Dead is so dour. And it's more totally consistent with the first movie. And people didn't like it because they wanted more of this, firstly. And secondly, it came out opposite Return of the Living Dead, which is all, we're gonna party. You know, it's <laughs> Do different-
2: you want a party? <laughs> it's party time! time. <laughs> fucking <laughs> fucking, <laughs>
1: banger. <laughs> fucking banger. Fucking <laughs> banger. <laughs> But, you know, people like, this burn. was nearly a... <laughs> I'm going to
2: burn! <laughs> burn the <this place>. flames!
1: <laughs>
0: what? This job? Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> that's a Do You watch your person. mouth, son, if you want to keep <laughs> this <watch> job! job. <laughs> you mean the movie live? <laughs> yeah. Now, anyway. here's the thing, Richard. If we talk about that shit, then we're going to have to talk about Necropolis and Grave from the Grave, so... Uh, we're talking about we survivor of the Dead* later, so I mean, okay. <laughs> you know, this is this is the way this goes. I'm not, I'm not yeah, worried. Point. I'm not good worried. Point, yeah. Because <laughs> if you ended it the way it was supposed to end, you run into two things: either you're so fucking bleak that it actually kind of kills the movie, or mm. it, you're going for bleak, but it's cartoonishly executed, and it just ends up rather than people dealing with the uncomfortableness of the bleakness, they end up mocking it and laughing at how fucking stupid and silly yeah. and cartoonish and it, it looks.
1: it's 10 minutes off for the custard pie stuff. I just yes. think, give, give us an ending that, that is bleak if you think about it. We don't need...
0: Yeah, you're right. The death you
1: you. You're, I, 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 you're I, right I,
0: about that. Yet there's still something... It's not quite as tight as Night of the Living Dead. I like the economy of Night of the Living Dead, where I feel like this is a little bit looser. It's a little bit... And and that is to the strength of the film because it does give us its best moments and my favorite moments of the film. And I think the most effective moments of all of these films are in Dawn of the Dead. But it also gives us, the thing that's always fucking bothered me is, and I get what they're going for, but when the bikers go in, some of the gags, there's just, there's lingering shots and it's almost like we were having to watch them get set up for the gag and then a hard at it and then the the gag is executed. In particular, the the guy who with the blood pressure cuff who puts his arm in a thing. <laughs> it's like we like there's 50 million zombies in his mall all around him. Yeah, why the fuck why, is he gonna sit there? Why,
1: why, why, why
0: do that? Because somebody on set saw that fucking thing and go. What if he ripped his fucking arm off? Uh, that's the genius of this his... movie, though, on the other hand, is like Tom yes. Savini then had to go away and figure that out. For better that, or for worse. And that's what I mean. So it ends up being a both end because they figured it out. And it's all for the punchline of the blood pressure, but there's no blood pressure because the guy's fucking dead. <laughs> the, and the yeah, arm and, but is but left to the blood pressure. It is like, goes. why is he doing that? Yeah, it doesn't do make that? any sense. And it's so clumsily executed. And there's so much of that. When the movie has to pick up its pace... And when the movie has to get frenetic, that's not the type of director Romero is. Romero is a flat... Romero is a workman director. He's a carpenter. I don't mean John Carpenter, but I mean that in a tradesman sort of way. He is a worksman. He is a very sort of... He's an, an industrial filmmaker. And when you have to get a little bit more epic or you have to get a little bit more exciting or even the rally point where Peter's like, I'm going to fucking do it. It's not done well. And I think that to me, that and some pacing issues, it takes away from the movie where, I, whereas where this would have been my number one for me now it becomes my number two instead of a 10 out of 10, it's a nine out of 10. And that's where I have to land on it because it's like, there's something about this that doesn't completely come together for me the way that I wish it would, because the, the strengths are just it, so fucking strong. The fact there are so many versions speaks to how inconsistent it is. And it's a film
1: it that's found in editing. And the story of Romero editing this is apparently has four times as many cuts in its action scenes as an average film of the time. Um and he was just this insane ninja editor. The stories of him sat in in a in front of a steambeck just pulling things out of rolls and just chucking it together with bananas. Um I take your point. It 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 you know, it's it's a very inconsistent film. It however Holds some kind of magic for me. I, I just think the story it's telling and the scale it tells it on yeah. for the budget. I, I just think it's incredible. I, it's a ten out of ten for me.
0: Like, let me ask you this question: ten out of ten, uh, is it your number one? No. Oh, you motherfucker! Well, this is this is <laughs> this is a problem, dude. Like when I'm
1: asked to rank things, I hate that. I'd rather talk about yeah. it for an hour, but I will rank it. Like I said. Dawn and Day is my Sophie's choice, and they jockey for position. And if someone comes to me and says, "Rank them as you do," I'm going to give them both ten out of ten spoilers. Yeah. And put the other one, at
0: well, it's I, I, so, not the yeah. ten out of ten that bothers me. It's the fact that you've got another movie, and I know which one it is because I got some fucking survival of the dead. <laughs>
1: I got problems with survival of the dead. What um, kind of maniac would have problems with survival of the dead?
0: I, go, I looked at this movie. There's a I, there's there's two movies on this list that I asked myself the question. And this isn't just to blow smoke up your ass, but I did ask myself the question: Could Richard Jackson improve or do these movies better? There's only two of them on the list, I think. And one is I think you I think that if you were given the footage restored, all that work being done, I think you could cut this movie better than he did. I, I think. Wouldn't. I wouldn't dream of even. Trying. I know you wouldn't, but I'm saying, I think you could. That's like, dude, do you know the Bible? What well, can you do? <laughs> on, on <some> paper? <laughs> I, 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 again, I'm not saying you should, I'm saying, mm. I think you could, I'm thinking that somebody out there, you are the closest person that I know to it. And I've seen your editing skills. And I, so I know how good you are and the mind you have for it. I just, I look at it. And I'm going, this needed a better editor. Because wonder, it's like he got it. It's like, it's like, I, I know I, to you, I'm talking about like the Mona Lisa and I'm going, you know. Yeah, sure.
1: And of course, put a mustache a, on that, it's
0: better. That, <laughs> yeah, that smile looks a little crooked, you know. I know that that's how I, I'm coming off and I know horror fans are going to be disgusted by what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is that there, this, this movie is fantastic, but there are places where he's probably overwhelmed by the lack of time and the excess of footage. And what you end up with in the film in certain sections is too much. It, it, it ends up feeling a little slaggy, sloggy a little bit, and just a little sloppy in some places.
1: Well, I, I just wonder, yeah, I kind of look at it and go, there's all these versions, like what was going on? You know, exactly what was what was that process like what was the process like where it's all these it had, things so i know they it are handed me. it off and yeah i mean yeah. there's all these because there's like there was the german and japanese tv cuts as well which were very yes long. right
2: yeah
1: all these and there's like a i think there's a jap. oh sorry i think it was a japanese laser disc
0: um, but it's just like, what the fuck happened?
1: <laughs> like, like, you know, what, what was this? But I think he had multiple
0: that. cameras just rolling and rolling and rolling and rolling. And, and he did. Yeah. They were covering it like crazy. Like they covered it. Yeah. like It was
1: a war is what they said. Yeah. It was like a war. Yeah. Um, and there's a bunch of nutcases having like a fucking summer camp with firecrackers in a real mall,
0: which is and what let's I be aspire re- to do yeah. someday. And let's, let's be real about this. Right. Uh, he did have all the time in the world to be like, let me get this perfectly into the edit. That, like, he, the the version we have isn't even his first, second, or third cut. It's the one after he showed it. It was like, "Ah, I can still cut this some more. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, Cut it down again. I still got more to do. Yeah. Yeah. I "Ah, I could cut it again. And I think there's another cut in here, just a little bit. I think there's a little bit of tightening. uh, But again, I'm comparing two of the greatest horror films of all time. So sure. I'm,
1: I'm, 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 I live in that US theatrical cut one that that's it for me because yeah. over here, they released a director's cut, which was an extended cut, which was on tape. And then there was the TV version, which read from BBC two. And there was all these versions flying around. And then I had to import the US theatrical. And then yeah. I got the ultimate DVD set from Anchor Bay, which was the three versions. It's the extended yeah. movie, the US theatrical and the Argento and all the extras. I imported that on region one in 2003 or whenever it came out, you know, just to have the different versions. And yeah. I've been back and forth over it. And that US electrical one is the tightest. And I think it's just the best version when it runs to like two and a half hours, I'm just bored by it. And it's something I
0: adore. I agree. You know, again, yes. it, it's
1: the Christmas cake at gunpoint analogy. It's, you know,
0: yeah. Well, so this is your number two. Yes. But again, okay. it's a Sophie's choice for me just to be 10 out of 10. Number two, now that we're four or five beers deep, which is the only way I'd have you. The only way I'd have you. Hey, now let much, me ask you a question: Is that beer is it cold or is it piss warm? Is this this is your bullshit American like <laughs> sort of people drink warm beer?
1: Tell me so. You got a passport? Come and try some, <laughs> motherfucking... <laughs>
0: Here's what I know. Here's what I know. We get along along famously, which is great, because I've watched mm. you for years. And I was like, you're one of those guys that was like, I think you and I would get along famously. And it turned out we did organically. We did. We did. Yeah. But I know for a fact, if I showed up in your country, you would ghost me. It would freak you the fuck out. You'd be like, this fucking guy came over here. Dude. (laughs) I would fucking get you over here and buy
1: you a beer. What are you talking about, man? You come. There's down here so time many you want.
0: weirdos on the internet who want to meet you in public that it's it's you know. Yeah, but I, I spoke I think- to you. If if it's some guy sending me a picture of his
1: feet, <laughs> like I'd say, no, that's weird. <laughs> I so put put it this way. I we've we've now worked together twice. Oh, th- thank you. Three times, dude. <laughs>
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, because
1: the Rocky one has to be recorded twice. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, true. good. That, that reinforces my point. I fucked with you three times. If you fucking turned up here, man, Gatwick Airport is just up the road. I'd take you down here and buy you a fucking beer any day.
0: The beer is cold ish, I think. I think that's it what that it was warm meant to now. I've been saying indicate- for two hours. <laughs> We're five hours deep into a seven-movie series. Let's keep going. It's Day of the Dead from 1985, which only has a 83% on Rotten Tomatoes. Day of the Dead.
1: They have overrun us, you know. Something like 400,000 to one by my calculations. Day of the Dead.
0: It could be years before we know exactly what we're dealing with here. Day
1: of the Dead.
2: Oh, the darkest day of horror the world
1: has ever known. George A. Romero's Day of the Dead.
0: Due to scenes of violence, no one under 17 admitted. Starts Friday at the a theater or drive in near you. Check newspapers for showtimes The movie was directed by George A. Romero, written by George A. Romero. It was released June 30th, 1985 in Hicksville, which is a real place, on July 19th, 1985, broadly across the US. It's a place in Pennsylvania. He, he screened it in Hicksville, PA. Uh <laughs> on a budget of between 3.5 and 4 million dollars. I want you to listen to those numbers. It made 34 million. So still an incredible smash hit, you know, 10 times its budget. Uh, Just not a hundred times its budget, right? So uh, my synopsis is, I'm running this monkey farm now, Frankenstein, and I want to know what the fuck you're doing with my time! This is some of the most evocative, dreamlike, horrific imagery of Romero's career. This is as close to Italian horror. It's almost like the snake idiots its own tail because Romero becomes inadvertently like a godfather of Italian horror cinema, influencing the like at least seven of the Bava's that are over there. <laughs> and then four of the Fulci's and a couple of the Argento's. And now it's almost as if that influence has actually come back to him because he was a much more straightforward, sort of linear, uh, literalist, realist filmmaker. And, I, and I'm not saying that it doesn't exist in this movie, but but the the zombie, ghoul, flesh eating, especially from the very beginning, it's almost now taking on a surrealistic quality to it. That is the greatest strength of this movie. The first. I don't know, 10, 15 minutes of the movie, I think are superb. I think this is the best looking of the original three, obviously, it has the highest budget. Um, I love love this era of this sort of mid-80s, still B-movie. It's like akin to me for like Night of the Comet, which I've talked about as a fan of. It has a similar aesthetic as to that. And I like that. I, I like the fact that we're not in Pittsburgh anymore. We're in... Fort Myers, Florida, and Sanibel, Florida, off of this island. It's just something different. Zombies in Florida. I mean, it's basically what Florida is. But it's it's here we are. And it's I, I love it. And the alligator in the street and 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 the zombie makeup and the gag effects and that. Chow out! Chow out! It's fantastic. I think it has an incredible opening. I think it has an incredible ending. And I think some of the ideas are interesting in the middle, but I think the performances, the budget cuts, because this was originally supposed to be around a seven to $10 million budget that got slashed and slashed his original scope. He's of course, famous for saying he wanted to make his original idea was gone with the wind, but with zombies, Uh, he doesn't get to make that movie. We end up sitting in a fucking salt mine throughout the entire middle of the movie uh, with some of the themes and ideas from his original script in this, which I've read, and some of the themes and ideas then show up again in Land of the Dead. But ultimately, this isn't the movie he wanted to make. I think it's hampered because of it. And I think the middle of this movie is tedium ad infinitum. I think this is not great stuff plot-wise. And I think also Romero, here's what could have saved this movie. He needed a, maybe Russo but it needed somebody to punch up the dialogue. It's such a dialogue, human-centric, almost like you were saying, a return to Night of the Living Dead. We're holed up in a place, tensions are brewing. Romero's dialogue at times is too literal. He just has the characters just flatly state (laughs) exactly what's happening. Well, we're the dead now. And it's just like, it's let some themes breathe, George. Have some subtext. And other than the, the the performance from Rhodes from uh, Joe, what's his face? Um, like yeah, it's the other performances are not remarkable enough. Um, I'm fine that you want to kind of get away from the zombies and of focus on the human beings more. Uh, the mad scientist guy is playing a fucking cartoon character. I don't know what fucking movie that guy's coming from. Um, It just, this one falls apart for me in the middle. I'm sorry, Richard. I hope we're still friends. We're not. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. And in response to what you've just said,
1: uh, can I just give my response? Oh, yeah. No. (laughs)
0: <laughs> tell me why i'm wrong then let's go and
1: now land of the dead no um
0: <laughs> I,
1: I i disagree i disagree very much I, I i really think this the strength of this is the middle of the film i love all the epic stuff in in in, in the uh beginning in the end um and the scale of it the salt mine stuff i think is the best stuff in it i i really really like what's going on it's very cartoony but i i think um the big theme here is science versus military um yes. and it also has they're both kind of wrong and right for their own reasons uh because obviously someone at the core of the science team is shown to be rotten and insane and, and doing bad stuff in the name of yes, it, what they're right. trying to do you know very subtly in the name of dr frankenstein um right. i really what i really really like about this and it is very big in its performances uh the effects are incredible some of the most amazing effects of the series uh i think in terms of the characters and what's going on between them I, I don't think it's terribly unsubtle in a lot of ways and I do you know what there's this real sense this pervasive sense of encroaching fascism fascism because that's its main thing it's about yes uh, fascist right. but also the overwhelming sense of like sexual menace I think that's mm. the true horror of this is the sexual mess and this is the first one to really up scale up the humanization of, of the dead. Yes. Um, yeah. And, and the effects of this, are just incredible. I mean, Howard Sherman or Sherman Howard, depending which day you ask him, because he goes by both um, oh, wow. as, as Bub, because uh, yeah. he's a really, he's, and and this is important because I think a lot of Romero uses really kind of um, theater kind of thespy actors quite a lot. And, and, mm. and Sherman Howard or Howard Sherman, depending which day you ask him. Um, He really, really, really goes in on the character of Bob. I just think it's incredible the way he acts for that makeup. And he he talks about his process. And it's something people in those situations quite often say is that arching your eyebrows is one thing. But under makeup, you have to do it twice as hard just to make it register. And the kind of paternal relationship between him and Logan his kind of childlike qualities, it makes you sympathize for all of the zombies. And a lot of the hero zombies in this have different kind of costumes and everything that carry over into the next movie. Um, but I think this is the one that goes the furthest to humanize them and show, truly show them as victims. And they're kept like slaves. The iconography of kind of collars yes. and chains right. and fences <clears throat> and prisons and jails. Um, I, I think it's brilliant. I honestly, and, and it's to me the most entertaining and the the tightest like i i just think because unlike dawn if you're watching day of the dead right you watch a day of the dead you're either, you are or you aren't there's not nine versions it's just the movie yeah and you put that's it correct and it's the movie yep. you're gonna get Yeah, you know and, and i would say actually i've read i too have read the original scripts and i think this one's better um i think because he romero had to, accepted the budget cut on the basis he could make the movie uninterfered with for half the money. So he could make an R rated movie for 3.5, but he could make the scripted one for seven, but cut the gore out. And he was like, well, I'd rather make a smaller picture for half the money and have control, yeah. um, which he did. And I think it really pairs down those ideas. I think it takes the nugget of that. I think it takes the core of that and and, and distills it down into it into a kind of simpler story.
0: I love. Well, the original so idea is very similar thematically, but it, it would have had mm. it included more of like a basically like a civil war, like a, 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 a but a, between two competing sides of with zombie armies. It should gone gone. It should gone with the wind, isn't it? It's, yeah. You know,
1: and, and Rhodes is very pro. Let's have pet zombies in the yes you know it's, yeah he's, because he's, he wants he's, he's, to he's already use them as cannon fodder of, yeah he's yeah. already got a legion of zombies you know um yeah working for him and stuff um yeah man i i because i think this thrives on its personal relationships i love all of that i think it's brilliant I, I really do i i think the the central three in this movie with um you've got john mcdermott and sarah i think but sarah of course is the daughter of uh bill cardill who's the the news anchor in night of the living dead yeah um his real world daughter isn't this and she's very much you know fran fran was doing um fran was doing ripley around the time of ripley and sarah's doing ripley after ripley but also Mm. around the time of ripley because of aliens um i think putting a woman at the center you know fran is really central to dawn of the dead and she's pregnant and it's really important and people like to talk about um What's her name in Fargo? she's pregnant and she's the um,
0: oh yeah right
1: bloody it's it's a wonderful performance by her. But you know Fran did it first. McDormand,
0: um, yeah, uh, yeah, Fran Francis Fran. McDormand, a yeah.
1: different Fran. Yeah. Um, she is never under any kind of sexual threat, whereas in this, it's like these kind of cavemen. Well, that's the, that's what they say, isn't it? Like, yeah, the cavemen. They literally say it. Um, and how she has the relationships with the other side with ted and with logan and the kind of developing drama over what's happened in the background that's revealed to us that kind of turns the corner when you find out that logan really is batty as he seems all yes. of the boardroom the boardroom scenes man i think they're amazing there's the musical cues like like rose draws his magnum and it's like boom, and like it just really <laughs> slaps you around the face of what's going on it's not subtle but that's not what i came That's what i came here for you know, I, I, every moment of this film I'm wrapped by, honestly, I can watch it anytime, anytime. Uh,
0: this is where my Romero thesis comes in. And now I know you're going to completely disagree with it, which is fair. It's the point of the show. We have these conversations for a reason. Um, mm-hmm. But I think the better Romero's films get technically, we use that term in quotes, though the more his writing and direction stands out. And I think by contrast for me, the worse it seems, I think part of the charm of the first two films is because they feel regional. They feel scrappy. They feel, they feel like this, some fucking weirdo made some movies in Pittsburgh or just outside of Pittsburgh in Pennsylvania and with no fucking money. And it's like underpromising and over-delivering. Mm. The moment Ram- you, Romero, and I know people are going to hate me for this, but it's just the way that I feel. The moment you give him a, quote, real movie with a real budget, suddenly he has to be a real writer and a real director. This is, you're talking
1: about the dark half, aren't you, as well? Yes. I always
0: felt this sort of way about the
1: dark half. Yeah. It's like, I don't know.
0: And I don't think he has the chops for that. I think I think George A. Romero is the greatest B movie director of all time, and is like the Fellini of B movies. But I still think this is a
1: B movie, though. It's just a really good one because like, it's a the, B. You know, the dark half is where it goes all studio and whatever, but this is still, you know, it, a, is,
0: it, sort of it is. It, it's I would say this is an independent movie before that term really existed, more so than a B movie. But you're right; it is it's still a B picture. But because even a budget of $4 million in 1985 wasn't anything, but your budgets mm. were now 15 to 20 million. But the point I'm just trying to make is, is, is I think that the movie is almost, I know, it looks too good to be as flatly written as it is. <laughs> and I, that, that's what it all comes down to me. If you're going to be so dialogue heavy and I understand everybody's at their wit's end, and now we're we're beyond the brink, right? The we're, the 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 dead have completely taken over the world, and there's not even when they go to the town and look for survivors, they find nobody.
1: They outnumbered. And it's overrun with, according to my calculations.
0: Yeah, exactly, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, and and even the dead, even the zombies now are in a much more decayed state. So it seems hmm. like. It, what's being implied there is they're not even turning people anymore because there's nobody left to turn. This is it, yeah. This, this is, is it. it now. Even the zombies are decayed,
1: <laughs> you know what I mean? Because
0: yeah, the, the, the end we're of watch, them, yeah, we watch human civilization decay now. We're watching zombie civilization. I've
1: always decay. viewed it as the zombies a bit more decayed as each movie goes, though. It's
0: yeah, like a logical uh, progression that, to me. I mean, the makeup in this is amazing, that's probably um, true. And the makeup is amazing, it's fantastic, and the the kill gags are incredible and Off they the hold chain. up and when the blood the, the fuck is right? the legendary Yeah thing. when the zombie yeah. turns around and his fucking guts spill out all over the floor. And the, the and tongue
1: as well at the beginning.:
0: the Dr. tongue, <laughs> yes, and yeah with, with the Cooper zombie, and it's like, you know, it's, and it's horrific and it's very horrific and you got this loony doctor and all of that is like exceptionally well done, but that's my point. You have all this stuff that it's this is the cleanest looking, nicest looking, to your point, tightest. It, you know, it 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 is it's the best edited. It's it is the best film technically in this series. And it just puts a bigger spotlight on what I see as as holes in Romero as a filmmaker and in particular as a screenwriter. I'm distracted the entire time. I'm distracted the entire time. I'm
1: I'm I'm spellbound by this film. I love all of the <laughs> character interactions. I love how they all fit together. I just think the sense of menace, the sense of the sense of escalation, the sense of decay. It, 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 it's this inevitable death spiral, and it starts from as soon as they get out of the helicopter, or even before they fucking even when you see what the world's like. It's like well they're fucked then how's this going to, how's this going to unravel? You know, just what, and that's what you do with these, you watch it unravel. And it's like, how's this going to go? And getting into all these relationships and the past relationships and how they've got there. And, you know, this is the point where society's ended and he's kind of like, well, there's nothing, nothing, nothing within the range of my puny world, world, true signals, all that stuff. Like, you know, they, they're, and, and they don't have dawn of the dead. They have a bunch of microfilms and busted ass old cars. Like, they don't have the fun shit. They're sitting around eating army rations and it's driving them all to their wits end. They're all losing their fucking minds. They're all coming undone. She's one woman surrounded by men. It's like everything about it is so, so dire. Because um, it is all shot in Pittsburgh. It's just the, out- the exteriors are in Florida. So, like, this is something that we right. don't know that. But it, internally, it's Pittsburgh. Um, I will say that's a bit odd. The Florida ness of it all. Because it comes to there and it's kind of like, hold on, I'm used to sort of shitty old Pittsburgh. Like, what is this?
0: why is it so tropical it's very hard to say that that these are necessarily sequels it almost feels like they're they're um three different meditations and a theme yeah it has that kind of
1: floating timeline doesn't it it's kind of like it's notionally yes the next one but it doesn't have yeah
0: it doesn't have to be though where it's almost like you know, well, Evil Dead, Evil Dead Two, but the same stuff happens, but it happens kind of different. But it's maybe a sequel, but also a remake. But it's a, and there's almost like it's not as 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 specific as that, but there is this sort of vague sense of like, there there are three movies, but they don't necessarily aren't necessarily connected. Because I know Romero has said, well, he he imagined Dawn of the Dead happening at the same time. That Night of the Living Dead is happening. So it's not afterwards, mm-hmm. it's the exact same time. I almost feel like that's a notion he came to after the fact because it's a...
1: Yeah, because it feels cause you know that bit at the beginning where you see the office block and all the lights go yeah. off. And they and dawn. We already talked about that. Going back. Yeah. that's something they got lucky on, right? They were filming that office and the lights went off. It yeah. feels like it feels like it's a month after Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. You know what I mean? It feels like, oh, maybe. Well, or you, you choose a time period, six weeks. Well, right. It, you know, it, things have progressed. Whereas this is like- It's gone from a, the
0: countryside to the city, and this is, yeah, yeah the world's ended here. Yeah.
1: And then here it's gone to the country, like in this way. Yeah. The country mean the whole of the US. Presumably yeah. the world. Um, and you know, it, and also, I think it escalates, what this also does, is it escalates it to the level of government. Because you hear mm, that they can't get hold of right. Washington anymore. Whereas right. before, first it was insanely parochial and it was slightly suburban. Then it's the level of government. It's like, we can't speak to Well,
0: them. like we talked about, the first one's almost sort of like this little country bumpkin county sheriff is like, I, I think we, 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 we'll get this wrapped yeah, up by tomorrow, tomorrow afternoon. <laughs> yeah. And it kind of yeah. leaves you the sense of, yeah, they, they might actually wrap this up. And the second one's like, nah, nah it's spread. Or, or it is spreading. It's spreading into the major cities. You know, maybe the, maybe the hillbillies, the yinzers will get it all fixed up, but the, the cities are fucked. And this one's like now nah, the world died, <laughs> <laughs> right? Right. World's dead. <laughs> yeah. Too yeah. bad. It's done. Yeah. I too mean, bad. Fuck it.
1: Do you know what? It's because it ends on a it ends on a on a more positive note than either of the.
0: It, but yeah, the, this one has the happy ending. Yeah, well,
1: happy, yeah, happy-ish, yeah. but yeah, it's it, yeah, it, it's far more uh, far more upbeat in its ending than the other two. It, it's yeah. it's um, it has a reputation of being very dour and sour and it's like well yeah but in as much as the first one is um and it ends on a more positive note i mean because it's very oppressive it's kind of what i like about this because i love dawn again i i honestly can't choose between this and dawn usually this is the one i'm more likely to put on and sit through because it's consistently the same movie and whatever yeah but um it's so kind of uh it's so dour and bleak and kind of hard you know, this is someone who's lived in New York or London for 40 years. It's one of those hard faced cunts that lived in those places. Yes. Like, it's just like, it's a really unforgiving movie, very um, unforgiving. which I get. Cause it's sort of like a, not a fun night in like, like, come on darling. Do you want to put day of the dead on though? If you're out there, marry me. Um, <laughs> 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 um so I kind of get it. I get it. I get the kind of roughness of it, but it's what I like. I really like that about it. I really do. I, I, I and can I ask got you a it.
0: question. Is it possible you're just a sicko? Yes. <laughs>
1: well, do you know, what, you know what? Did you ever see that when, when when Romero talks about this and what he says? It's it's lovely. It's one of my favorite quotes because it applies to me, and it's just what you've just said. He goes, um, he goes, uh, yeah. Well, you know, the he goes like the film critics they love night, and the genre fans, yeah, they love dawn. But the real ghouls—they love day. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm a ghoul. That's absolutely me. So I think this was his favorite of the three before he, you know, as of this being the last one that was out. Yeah, um, I think it was his favorite. And I, and I'm, yeah, I don't want to just sit and go like it's good because it's good. It's not that. <laughs> there's, no, there's there's more going on here. I, I I think something that I wanted to touch and we haven't talked about yet, is really important to me in relation to these when people started making zombie movies uh you know kind of post Romero, when cause zombies were very untrendy
2: yes. for a
1: really long time they're very off trend like when i was a kid in the 90s who loved these no no one was making zombie anything now they make zombie halloween costumes for kids which is unthinkable once.
0: yes right um
1: something that romero does and i think it, it was more budget than anything else and i think in it's not quite the case in um land of the dead for various reasons, but in Romero's zombie films, the zombies did not have white milky eyes; they had human eyes, and there hmm. are always human eyes looking out of the zombie. And it, and and his point: it, there are different characters in each movie, but the characters that develop are the zombies. The zombies develop throughout his films, and zombies having human eyes is really important because, like in Day of the Dead, where there's like a big muddy skeleton with milky eyes going bleh that it's a monster right when mm. when it has mm. human eyes looking out of its head mm. it's a it's a tortured or trapped person or it's an echo of someone or it's someone that somebody loved there's eyes that looked at someone once with love or with care or with compassion right. and th- that's what sherman howard does in this it's so good as bub like Bub alone is worth the price for admission. And even the random kind of fight, you know, the firefighter zombie is like, nice hat, asshole. They're like bullying him and torturing him, and he looks hurt and wounded and sad, and it's in his eyes. Yeah. I think, and that's not my saying that's why this film is good, because it's the same in dawn of the dead, like the um the nun zombie. Or like the Arco Barks Arco Pitcairn zombie in the baseball outfit. Yeah. Like he's sat on the floor like a like a toddler. And he's whining you know it, real subtle ways of humanizing them and making them feel like people yeah um, you know the, if, if it, 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 he kind of goes really on the tool making the tool using thing because bub uses a tool to undo his chain in this mm-hmm. and then land of the Dead would get to is all about specifically about the use of tools um that in particular i think this because the zombies are really the victims in this one
0: really, really That is know. very true. Yes. They're a hundred percent the victims, yes. You know, they're, which, they're, which they're, it seems ridiculous because they've they're essentially ruling the world, but they're 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 ruling the world by happenstance, not by choice, not by yeah. the lust of power. They just it's just by sheer numbers. it's by like a bad stroke of luck, the dead have come back and they just happen to outnumber the living.
1: Because they're literally people that died because of this thing. They're literally yes. the victims, but they're also the monster. Um, yeah, they don't. They don't want this for themselves, and you know, Bub shows that they can be redeemed. Well, not redeemed, but they can be changed, but only in the worst possible way, which is by butchering still living people and feeding them to them. And yeah, that's what a, I, like. Yeah. I like. That like I like that. It shows you can change them, but you have to do the worst thing possible. Because yeah. it's always been about latently about cannibalism, and it's yeah. like, well, if you if you facilitate the cannibalism, they, they'll fucking read Stephen King books and shave. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <coughs> i got me yes um, Jason's. <laughs> <laughs> for me this movie is a seven out of ten it comes as my number four but it's very very close it was almost my number three that's quite that's
1: higher than i expected
0: yeah i it, well look at some of the other oh, this <laughs> is your number four did you say number four yeah
1: interesting okay
0: yeah, yeah. survival so, dead number three yeah survival dead is number three absolutely <laughs> um score rank obviously this is your number one 10 out of 10 yeah number one interchangeable with dawn 10 out of 10
1: yeah yeah I, that's my that's yeah my i think
0: we'll, we'll never agree on this one but i understand where you're coming from
1: yeah and and same back back at you i i get why people don't like it i really do yeah.
0: and, I, and i wonder what part of
1: it something about it for me just works i watch it whenever i'll enjoy it i'll, I'll
0: yeah. He didn't make one in the 90s, which seems very odd. And it's mostly because all this stuff, and I mean, the, the, no pun intended here, but the 90s were a dead zone for horror for the most part. The slasher boom was killed, and most 90s horror films are terrible. So um, he didn't make it. He, he, he did not make one in the 90s. And for a long time, we didn't think he'd make another zombie movie or another movie. Mm-hmm. But then we have a little thing from your country called Shaun of the Dead. And twenty eight days later, and even though I know they're infected, it's not really zombies. They're fucking zombies. They are fucking shot Danny Boyle. <laughs> <laughs> and that because that's that revitalizes the entire genre, and suddenly Universal Studio or Universal Pictures comes to him and says, "We'll give you a bunch of money, we'll, kind of, and you can make a, a, a zombie movie." And that's how we get. 2005's Land of the Dead, which currently has a 73% on Rotten Tomatoes. Six billion people on Earth, most of them dead.
1: This summer, mankind's final battle begins. George A. Romero's Land of the Dead,
0: rated R,
1: starts June 24th.
0: It is the triumphant return of John Leguizamo, last seen in Super Mario Bros. the movie. It is the triumphant return of Dennis Hopper, last seen in Super Mario Brothers, the movie. Uh, He he lives in a tower here as well. It's just it doesn't happen to be the World Trade Center. Uh, It is the triumphant return of Tony Napo, last seen as Willie Spino in the Christian evangelical End Times movie, Revelation. It's it's uh, Antichrist uses VR, Richard, uh, and heals his. Uh, what that sounds Can I just stop and go watch that? <laughs> that sounds amazing. It what stars Jeff fun. Fahey. It stars Jeff Fa- uh, Fahey and Carol Alt. And the sequel has uh, to uh, Revelation. I think is Judgment Day, and that wow. one has Gary Busey and Margot Kidder. Y- wow. You and then they made another yourself. one where the one after that, I think it's called uh, tribulation forces Corbin Burnson and Mr. T. This is just wall to wall quality
1: coming at me. Yeah.
0: Did you not, you, you were not aware of the end times, heavily a zombie inspired American evangelical Christian, uh, apocalyptic straight to video movies. The Revel, the Apocalypse series. Is what they're Not
1: called. those specific ones. I've heard <laughs> yeah. about that one where loads of Muslims go back in time to kill Jesus. That was an We've covered
0: movie. it. It's called Assassin oh. Thirty Three A.D. Oh it's available in the archives. Boy. We covered it in the same episode we talked about Revelation. It's, we call the episode "Holy Shit" Volume One. Holy <laughs> <laughs> shit! <laughs> wow. Wow, okay. This film was released June 18th, 2005 in Cine Vegas, June 24th, 2005 in the United States and Canada, August 10th, 2005 in France, on a budget of between 15 and $19 million. It had a box office of $46.8 million, so a reasonable hit, a light hit. Hmm. The bright lights of the big city they call Pittsburgh still burn thanks to income inequality, but then suddenly, zombies... The opening dialogue of this movie is so fucking on the nose where it's literally they're like, we're them. They're us. <laughs> the, 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 well, they, they call them walkers. And what's the other thing they call them here? The, the stinkies, the uh, smellies, the stenches. Yeah. The stenches are us. We're the stenches now. And I'm just going, it's, it's... one of the lines is, isn't that what we're doing? Just pretending to be alive like them. I'm like, oh, George. George. <laughs> now, all the things you said about Day of the Dead, I do agree with here. What bothers you more about this movie, Richard? Is it Aja Argento's bad acting or her involuntary manslaughter of Anthony Bourdain? <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> but and also that pedoing that she did to that young boy. Like, yeah, if we're right, doing yeah, this. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, I didn't expect this to be addressed at such a high level. I thought
0: we would be discussing What's her worst film, what's her worst crime? The crimes.
1: It's that weird piercing in the back of her neck. That yeah. always yeah. bothered me. Um Christ. Yeah, I forgot she was in this. Well, I didn't, because I kind of didn't, but um well uh, <laughs> what was the question again? <laughs>
2: What's the worst crime? the acting
0: in this movie, the sexual assault of a teenage boy, or the manslaughter, involuntary manslaughter of Anthony Bourdain?
1: Again, it's another Sophie's choice. Must I only pick one? Um, (laughs) This is the thing. Uh, Yeah, no, it's not where I expected this to go. Um, Probably the ones directly affecting people's lives. So I mean, the piercing and the acting—the worst crime. Yeah,
0: exactly. Right, the acting. Um, This movie's way better looking, in a sense. It definitely has a bigger budget in a sense but isn't it all and this is gonna sound so counterintuitive because uh it's where i'm gonna go with it isn't it at a certain point like kind of pointless this movie (laughs) because one i really don't care about a single they have here's what i'll say they have better actors in these roles for the most part People you've seen before, Simon, Baker, whatever his name is, uh, John Leguizamo, uh, Dennis obviously Hopper. Dennis Hopper, and, and many other character actors and people that you've, you've seen and stuff or that you know. And I think the acting is better here than maybe any of his other movies uh, on the whole. But I don't care, necessarily care about a single one of these characters. I actually think this is, um, as far as direction goes, one of his better directed films. I think Romero is actually, his direction here is better and some of the other ones. The editing's obviously better. Um, I, it, it has all of the luxuries of being at a studio. So it has the stuff yeah. that his other films didn't have, and more time, more money, studios, more help, et cetera. Um, it Yeah. So in that way, it's like, okay, it's kind of bumped up. But story-wise, I'm just going, why in the world is Romero so fascinated with zombies who use tools? Because if we go back to the original Night of the Living Dead, when they breach the house, they have tools in hand. And they're trying to get through the door in, in 1968 with tools. And when the little girl returns from the dead, she's using a tool. And in Dawn of the Dead, they use tools. And in Day of the Dead, they use tools. He's, he's, it's almost as if he's like, well, I've had 20 years to think about this. And here's my revolutionary idea. Ghouls with tools. <laughs> <And it's> like, <laughs> okay, I never, I never thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> but they've always used tools. They've always what? had, to your point, about the eyes the different stuff and the pitiable nature of them. So they've always had, like you, you you said it brilliantly. They're echoes of human beings. They've always been echoes of us. This is, is not it? a new concept, but the whole movie's presenting us to it as is as if it's evolution. I do think there's a reason for that.
1: And I don't know if people who listen to it, like, stop talking about politics, get fucked, it's real life. This film is a a really rebel film, actually, because, well, I think the reason he does that is because it's so unsubtly, aggressively left wing. I mean, this is like actually Marxist. I'm not talking about, yeah. give me some shit <laughs> yeah. about like,
0: SJWs
1: with pink hair. Get the fuck, get back in your box and go have a wank to Ben Shapiro. I'm not interested. Right, right, like, right, right.
0: right. This, it's like, it's this very is much w- an anti-Bush, anti-Iraq war movie Anti-Bush, anti-Iraq. anti-Iraq.
1: Yeah, it's, yeah. it's classically yeah. Marxist left wing. Whether you like that or yes. not, those are the facts. The right. reason they have tools is because they're actual artisan avatars. There's a, they have tools of their trade. They're the they proletariat. They're the proletariat, which they use yeah. to assault the rich. Yeah. They, they assail the point. tower. Like, that's the thing. It's so insane. And they're from Uniontown. It's so good. Like, it's so ridiculously unsubtle. Right. It's right. this horribly unsubtle thing. It's not... In- right. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you're aware of Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, which is a British comedy show. He's a fictional Stephen King-esque writer. Yeah. Right, right. And there's a moment when he says, I know writers who use subtext and they're all cowards. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what that's Land of the Dead in a nutshell. And I think it's a rebel movie because this is the first time he took the studio money for one of his zombie flicks. And what does he do? He makes it a Marxist zombie film. Yeah, anti-Bush Marxist zombie film. Yeah, anti-war on yeah, terror. It's yeah. nuts. I think it's such a nuts thing to do. Yeah, Like, I would say it's really interesting to me that um, – Basically, he wouldn't get anybody to touch him for years. The film he made immediately before this was Bruiser, which he made in Canada with Jason Fleming, the British actor Jason Fleming, which I still can't get hold of, which had music by the Misfits. It's a very weird film. Mm. Um, I believe, because I haven't fucking watched it. But um, (laughs) he couldn't get these people to touch him for years. That's why he didn't make one in the 90s. Nobody was interested. He directed that uh, commercial for Resident Evil 2. Yes. Shaun of the Dead launched zombies into the popular consciousness. The Dawn of the Dead remake came at just the right time to double down on that. 28 days later had come just a little bit before which had kind of sparked that interest again yeah and yep. suddenly all of these fucking shit muncher studios wanted a piece of george so he had like a fox wanted to call it night of the living wanted to make this and call it night of the living dead too because they thought it would then give them rights to night of the living dead because they're greasy fucks like wow. Universal, he went with the universal because you know how it opens with the kind of classical black and white Universal. yes thing one of the reasons he went with universal was because he was a fan of universal monsters and he wanted to make a universal movie but he various studios and money people shopped it around because people wanted the name recognition of george george romero they don't give a shit what he made and um he made this he took the dollar to make the marxist zombie film and i think that's such a gonzo thing to do and i love that um i i don't know you know broadly i like it i didn't like it at the time massively because i it was this thing because it, I, I don't know, but it probably would have been more so in the States, but here it was everywhere. And all the kind of like slightly, uh, you know, slightly kind of more, the slightly kind of smug press were kind of like, well, it's a new George Romero film. And, and all the other regular press were kind of like, here comes this zombie film. All the posters said, George A. Romero's. Yes, end of
0: the day. yeah, this got a big, all the big, trailers, big push.
1: Big yes. push because they were trading on the name recognition. Yes, because all yep. they wanted was something that had his name on it and I remember sitting in a cinema in England and some punk in the front with his mates was kind of like the trailer came on for this and it was like oh you know the zombie master returns blah 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 and he was like who is George A. Ramirez anyway and I was just like oh <laughs> who is George A. Ramirez yeah and I just like died inside. It's like, who is George mate. A.
0: Ramirez anyway
1: I wouldn't mind so much but it's on, It's in writing you can read it says oh Romero but if you're gonna be a snarky cunt learn to read yeah. first
0: yeah. Um, <laughs> there's something about that combination of absolutely being a pretentious condescending prick and also being one of the most fucking stupid people who's ever lived <laughs> that's dangerous if you're president it, it's that but- <laughs> <laughs> it's the prime honor- minister or prime minister yeah or, prime minister, or minister. whatever
1: in december i'll be in beijing opening up new pork markets
0: it, it it's
1: that kind of privilege of the truly stupid person Just <laughs> to be so utterly confident yeah. Yeah, Heck I'm so yes, you Have heard of
0: white privilege? Have you ever heard of stupid privilege? Dumb privilege.
1: <laughs> I'm too stupid to know that I'm wrong. That must too be amazing. Too stupid to be bothered
0: with the consequences of your actions.
1: God, yes. your life must be incredible.
0: <laughs> no self-doubt.
1: <laughs> if you're yeah, wrong, no self-doubt. But you don't
0: know. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, you That's can amazing. you gain nothing
0: from any of your living experiences. <laughs> incredible. No growth, amazing. no pain. Yeah, yeah. You're you're the really really the undead of our world are the stupid, and we are surrounded them by more and more on the daily. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Donald Rumsfeld gets set fire
1: to by a zombie, yes. whilst his yes. butler Sam from Casablanca runs away. It's that's, true. That's, uh, it's great. I, I, I think we did this a bit, so I just skip to the end. But you know, like when he he goes, look out, a zombie shoots that guy. Yeah, and then and then he, like, he kind, of, kind of goes like, oh yeah, the, the car's here or whatever. And he goes like, oh oh, I just I done, done, I done just, something I, I wouldn't have done otherwise.
0: And when he always says, I, I might, might not have done, other, I might not have done otherwise. He he, he might have killed him even if the car had returned. I, I probably would have. <laughs> yeah, I might not have. I might uh, not have been a greasy fuck.
1: <laughs> it's got so many like because this is this is so insanely. I kind of love it, but it's so dumb and unsubtle. It's kind of like, really, ah well, I'm from Ireland and I'm going to lead them all with my little army and me son's got movie cancer, and it's like, Wait. <laughs> Me and son's so, got movie <laughs> cancer. <laughs> yeah, who take the pills bought And he's like, he, he's like, yeah. Give these pills to your son because he's giving him free medication. Yeah,
0: correct, right? Yeah, Med- you know, Medicaid
1: all for all, universal Medicaid healthcare. All. Yeah, yeah, it's doing yeah. all that like horribly, subtly. and I'm
0: fine with that because this was prime. My son is movie <laughs> cancer. My son has McGregor syndrome. He's stricken with it, riddled with it. <laughs> my son's
1: got Benjamin Button disease. <laughs>
0: My son has rickets. <laughs> here's on some Ricketts. pills for your. Yeah, here's your some pills for your son's rickets. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while since I heard about rickets. Oh, love, love a bit of rickets. Yeah, yeah, who doesn't? Yeah, who hasn't suffered from a bit of rickets recently? <laughs> he's, he's, uh, <laughs> monkey pox, COVID, and rickets making a big surge among the idiot population. Yes. Nah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the idiot population. Here's what is not good about the movie. It's yeah. not scary. There's no sense of dread or terror. And it has kind of like this sort of generic tone. I revisited, it, you know, as it has come up time. And because this is a studio release, at least stateside, this one streams uh, more often than that. Living Dead, you can find any fucking where. Dawn of the Dead, of course, has extre- been extremely hard to find for years. UK Prime has all the versions of Dawn now. It fell kind of flat at the time, but because it's been more available than the other ones, I've been able to revisit it more in the intervening years. This revisit is the one for this show, this episode, is the one where I enjoyed it the most. I actually... Good.
1: I'm glad.
0: I wouldn't say I loved it, but I liked it enough. This movie and everything Romero said, as non-subtly as he said it, I think he's unfortunately right. I agree. I
1: think this 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 expresses everything he's been trying to say,
0: but it, it, he just just he's just done being subtle about it. Is the potency of Romero less the movies and more, like you said, the idea? I I
1: really kind of think maybe it is. I mean, don't get me wrong. Dawn and Day for me are just peerless filmmaking, but yeah. I can't say that about the rest of his movies, really. But mm. the idea and the rebel spirit and just what he did and the way he changed the landscape and how he got there. Peerless. You know, I really think that.
0: Right. So if you had to give this one a score out of 10 and rank it, where'd you put land of the dead?
1: It's like a seven. I like it a lot. I like it. Oh no. Do you know what? Yeah. No, I like, I can't give it an eight,
0: but no. I like it a lot. And <laughs> you know what? I
1: think, I think it's got fucking bollocks, like cantaloupes. This one. like I really do. I think it's fucking great.
0: Yeah. I give it a 7.25. Oh, it's like actually going to be... very granular. Okay. It's going to be my number three, what? which means it's one spot above Day of the Dead, which I know is blasphemy to you, but I'm it's sorry.
1: It's a bit, but, you know, I, again, if you'd put even for the other team above it, I'd be like, dude, what the fuck? <laughs> but, but this one, yeah. I'm like, oh. <laughs> <All right. laughs> yeah.
0: Okay, well, let's move on. The 2007's Diary of the Dead, which only has a 61% Rotten Tomatoes. You will notice a trend here, dear listener. <laughs> <laughs> Two news agencies are reporting accounts of the dead returning to life. Holy From legendary filmmaker George A. Romero. Yeah,
1: there's an army of them.
0: Comes his groundbreaking new vision.
1: From now on, everyone who dies
2: is going to come back.
0: Of the beginning, of the end. All that's left is to record what's happening. George A Romero's Diary of the Dead. I think it's time we left this place. This is a Romero film. It was released September 8, 2007 at TIFF, which is the Toronto International Film Festival, and February 15, 2008 in the United States. On a budget of 2 million, it made 5.3 million at the worldwide box office. College Film Bro films his friends and family die and return as ghouls from beyond the grave because we are all addicted to the media. Um, <laughs> the idea of this is partially conceived in 1989. I, I'm hoping you say you have one. If you don't, some you need to track one down. 1989, they did a, a, a book of short stories that were supposed to be concurrent with Night of the Living Dead. Stephen King wrote one of them or part of it and it was called The Book of the Dead. Mm. Do you have have a copy? I have The Book
1: of the Dead, yeah.
0: There you go. (laughs) Shockingly. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, So this was where the idea started for him. He wanted to make a movie that was happening specifically concurrently with the events of Night of the Living Dead, which makes no fucking sense because one takes place in 1968, and one takes place in 2007, and and one has video cameras. (laughs) And because it's the start of the outbreak, so if you want to put the kind of
1: floating timeline thing, you know, it's the start. It's the start of the outbreak. Is the
0: idea? It's the start of yes. an outbreak. Um, there are two competing ideas here. One I think is interesting. One I think is stupid. The well, one interesting idea I think is interesting, almost too ahead of its time. Again, is the idea of making a movie about emerging media or new media, which now again this seems redundant. It seems naval gazing it seems um old hat almost but the idea of like part of what's floating around in this movie the soup of this movie is what happens to truth when everybody can have their own truth mm-hmm. cuz there's like stuff where it's like which is ridiculous now when you think about it because like they they have a guy that's like you know when there's 400,000 people online telling you what the truth is who do you believe you know and what it really is, is it's definitely like a 1960s leftist hippie who smokes a little pot and be like, you can't trust the fucking man, man. You can't trust the man. And the man's the media. What's weird about this in 2022, 2023, 2024, in the last four or five years we fucking live from, is that most of the people who espouse that, that perspective now, they may be baby boomers but they're alt-right fucko baby boomers who are like, you can't <laughs> trust the mainstream media. I do the research myself. The, the, uh, the lamestream media. His positions in this movie have been hijacked by the very people Romero was making movies against. Mm. Yeah. And I think that hurts. Uh, th- this movie was not good to begin with. I did see this, uh, not in theaters, but I definitely saw this one video when it came out. It was not good then. It's not good now. Um, And there's honestly, there's something about Night of the Living Dead during the internet age, which makes it all that much more uninteresting of an idea because part of why I think that movie works is the isolation, Night of the Mm -hmm. Living Dead. Mm Mm-hmm. And when you're like, well, this is happening everywhere. We're all watching it on TikTok. Or in this case, we're all watching it on MySpace or whatever the fuck. (laughs) 72,000 people watch the video. I've gone viral. And you have a guy. And and, and here's the other thing. It's found footage. I don't know why he needed to be found footage. And it's not just, it's not good found footage. It's found footage where it also has narration. And yeah. the narrator has to come on and go, these are the cameras we used. And the reason why we have different camera angles is because we had multiple cameras filming all of this. And also, um, it was filmed, the narrator says something to the effect of, and I've also you added music to, to scare you, because that's what I am trying to do, viewer. I'm trying to scare you. And so it's like you're having to write in excuses for why it's a, the- it's a, it's a, it's a traditional film. That's pretending to be a found footage film, (laughs) which makes no sense. And also uh, the stakes of the movie get lost when the narrator of the film is not the director of the documentary, because if your narrator is not your documentarian, who is the main character throughout the movie, we fucking know he's going to die. (laughs) And Uh. and if the whole moral of the movie is the guy is so addicted to media, it leads to his death. And that's it. That's the one idea this movie has. But we know that it's so telegraphed. It's so non subtle. It's so, it's, it's, it's very, very bad. The biggest claim to fame this thing has is that Tatiana Maslany has all about five seconds of this movie before she blows her brains out. And <sighs> in what, and that, I, 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 this is the sort of a movie I'm left asking questions like, in what world? Richard does a film class professor accompany you to do your project where he's sitting like on set. First of all, if you're in film school, you don't got a fucking set. You don't have fucking chairs. You don't have craft services. You don't have a makeup trailer. When you're filming a fucking mummy movie in Pennsylvania. (laughs) Oh
1: yes, they make it a mummy movie.
0: Right. And you're and your your film, your drunk British film professor is not gonna be sitting out there in in the frigid fall of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, in the fucking (sighs) woods at two o'clock in the morning, watching you make your movie. I don't know. It's as if he's writing about a world he's never been a part of. He never went to film school. He doesn't know fuck all about the internet because he's 80 fucking years old. And we end up <laughs> with this piece of sh- piece of shit movie. And the script is incredibly jokey. There's so many, there's so much like supposedly w- witty banter between the characters. It's just not funny. It's, it's try. It's almost like trying to be Wes Craveny. It's almost trying to be like scream a little bit because it's kind of meta and self-referential. But it, it's just, again, He doesn't have the chops as a screenwriter to be able to effectively do that. If he wanted to make a movie lampooning his own movies, he could have done it and deconstructing his own movies and our obsession with media. It could be done again. It feels old hat in 2022, but it could have been done in 2007. George just isn't the guy to do it. And the worst part of it, the most groan inducing thing in this movie is when the director film bro guy, Eventually gets bit by a zombie because he can't put the camera down. Oh, I got to get this. I got to shoot this. The people have to know. And he gets bit. And then he hands his girlfriend the video camera and he says, shoot me. And because he's going to turn into a zombie and he means shoot me, turn into a zombie. And she then pulls out a gun and just shoots him. Because shooting somebody with a gun is just as violent as of an act. as shooting somebody with a camera. (laughs) It's a five out of ten. It's the worst of the week. It's the worst movie in the Dead series. It's yes, I will even say, Richard, it's worse than Survival of the Dead. Really, I would
1: not it's say that.
0: Painful on this on this revisit, it's, and also it's he's like at this point your favorite
1: turds. I, <laughs> I yes, what to say, pra,
0: yeah. all the practical effects are gone. So there's so many zombie kills in this, but it's all like bad After Effects plugins. It's real bad.
1: Yeah, I, I've it's got aged I, very poorly. I've got yeah so the thing is here is that this is the perfect example of this is the film he wanted to make and you have to just, we just have to accept that it's a bad movie. Like it's a film he wanted to make. He made it uncompromised, good for him, but it's bad. (laughs) um, (laughs) You know, and listening to your description, I was just kind of like, I don't like this. I'm I'm sad now. And I don't want to think about it again. It, i'm I, right there I with will, you yeah i will say that, i mean i think what bothers me about it on on a few levels uh i mean I, I do think it's a film we want to make um i think it has its moments and i think the kind of goofiness is often quite funny like the deaf amish guy and all that stuff he's out of touch here <laughs> yes. the horrendous irony of making night of the living dead which lived and died on so to speak on its quasi-documentary elements right and then to make this and it's just like you've kind of you've seen some some, some found footage stuff and you wanted a shot at that but he used theater actors mostly because he thought it would work if it was like a play because they could all memorize their lines in a similar way to a play um right but then he didn't have the actor shoot the footage he used a dop and um as someone who works as a dop you should hide DRPs all the time. But no, in this instance, you shouldn't have. Like, it should have had... Yes. That. And the whole thing you say, like, because it's presented as an edited final piece, like, have you seen... Um... I haven't seen it, no. Okay, The Last Bros came out before Blair Witch. Um, just about. And it's a cool movie. It's about someone hunting for the Jersey Devil. And... I kind of need to spoil the end, which I sort of don't want to, but like, let's just say the authorship of the film is in constant question. And then it's gotcha. at the, end, the, the authorship of the film. Um, this kind of like you described the guy comes out and goes like, hello, I've made it scary. And it's like, cause you're already going like, <laughs> did you like, like, it's the end of the world. Did you find like an Adobe, like an Avid or a Adobe Premiere? No, she, no, yeah. She tells you, she's like...
0: Deb is the narrator, and she flat out says, I, these are the two, she names the model numbers. We filmed it on a uh, oh, Sony, no. such and such, blah, blah, blah. And I edited the film on Jason, who's the director of the films, blah, blah, blah. blah. This is the vision he would have wanted you to see. So you're telling me ahead of time that the guy's fucking dead, okay, but now he's so. my main character throughout the rest of the movie. It's entertaining.
1: Well, well it's not. But it, like I you know, first time I watched it, I was entertained by it. It's short. I was, it's short, yeah. I it's it's see, yes. see what you're trying to do, but this is bad. Yes. And I just I'm I've got so little to say about it. Do you know what? I'll go into back because the fucking man went went to do something different. He dro- he he went into do a format he'd never done before. And part of the reason there's CGI in it is cause he was like, Well, I just want to shoot this quick and dirty, we can add the effects later. Yes. Because, right you know practical effects do slow things down and i want to do this i'm going to make a fine footage film i've never done this before because you can do all that stuff in post
0: yeah yeah in post
1: and he did that because he wanted to do something he would never done before and he did it and fair fucking play the result sucks but he did it and i've got really nothing more <laughs> to say about it but like, i really yes. don't have anything more to say about it. it's really tragic i don't want to end on such a bum note but like i've got nothing to say it's well just yeah one ending, more you know. so we're
0: not ending here <laughs> If you yeah, had to give well, this one a score out of ten, what would you give it, and where does it rank for you? Diary of the Dead? Well, it's like a four, probably. And it's like I give it a five, five out of ten. Five yeah. out of
1: ten, okay. And it's yeah. five in the in the six movies.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah for me. Um, but your 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 survival, your no. Yeah. Uh, which surprised me because I hated Survival of the Dead when I when I watched it, but I revisited for this episode, of course, and uh, it just slightly beats out uh, uh, Diary of the Dead. I, I think I just found Diary of the Dead to be more. I found the characters to be just so much more obnoxious. And then at this point, when we get to Survival, uh, which we're about to get to, in to like short succession, uh, it's so cartoony. At this point, people are just cartoons. That's true. That is true. <laughs> that is true. And we're going to get to it. You know, one of the things interesting things that we talked about, but we kind of skipped over, you said the thing uh, when we talk about Dawn that he has specifically chosen, and, and even in Day, to have at least one of the protagonists, if you can call it that, of the films, be a person of color, in particular, black men. Mm. What's interesting is we get to Land of the Dead, and you could argue, like you said, that zombies well, it's are protagonists, but Land it's of the back, Dead, Big and Daddy, of course, yeah. is a black man. There are no more black people in his movies. No, that
1: is weird, isn't it?
0: Because it's very They're weird. not.
1: They're not really two separate trilogies, because no. it, it's like there's four movies. Like Land of the Dead yes. is clearly the cap on those, and then there's these yes. two, and then the the, the army guy who's like colonel in the first, he's like sergeant in the first one, colonel in the next, yeah. one yeah, yeah, like yeah. Uh, Alan Van Sprang. So there's like yeah the guy this who, the guy.
0: Yeah, the guy who robs the college kids in *Diary of the Dead* is ostensibly the main character of *Survival of the Dead*. Yeah, mm. uh, which mm. yeah, and there's no more people of color. It's very strange. Instead, so we get horrible, but, but horrible but more Irish stereotypes. More cartoony Irish people. <laughs> cartoon-y it, Irish. My well, son has is, kind of <laughs> it, of a movie
1: cancer. He's oh, got cancer. like because it's like in *Day of the Dead*. Um, J- J- Conroy. Who yes, He is Irish. But he's still a comedy Irishman in yes. Day of the Dead. You know, he's like—that's what I was going to uh, get put, at. What is continuing about the good Romero? fight against dry, rotten rust? Yeah. yeah, and he's he's Cuban, but Romero is a Cuban American. Like I don't know why he fucking loves Irish <laughs> stereotypes so much.
0: <laughs> I got to kill the girls, of Flinders. <laughs> So so then we get to 2009's Survival of the Dead, which currently has a 29%. I am bucking the trend in my own common sense uh, by saying this went slightly better than the other shitty one. But here we are. Last time anyone counted, 53 million people were dying every year. 150,000 every day, 107 every minute.
2: had become an us versus them world. All we were looking for was a place where there was no them.
1: Lousy times make lousy people. All the wrong
2: people, people are you. dying. This
1: island needs to be rid of them. We like it here. We think the best way of seeing this through is here. We don't want no place. We want some place. Like where? Like an island. It's an island off the coast of Delaware. Come on over. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It was released September 9th, 2009, just kind of everywhere. I don't even know if this is ever actually made it to theaters. I don't think it did. Not in the states. I do. And a budget of so. 4 million dollars, this fucking thing made $386,000. <laughs> Fuck well, you know it out.
1: And unfortunately, at is, least had the
0: decency to die. <laughs> yes, it is the last <laughs> Romero film. <laughs> He put this out and at least he had the decency
2: to die afterwards.
0: That's me talking about one of my heroes, by the way. At least he had the to die. Two feuding <laughs> Irish clans fight over how to live among the living dead on an isolated... Pittsburgh Island, maybe I don't know where the fuck this island's supposed to be. It's an island off the coast of Delaware. Uh, he just makes up like Irish town, USA, Little Dublin, and a Little fucking... Dublin. <laughs> <laughs> and there's okay. Here's, oh, here's the thing that makes no sense. Oh, this is this is how you know you're talking about a bad movie. Mm. There's only two families: the Mardernes and the Iron Flins. <laughs> They've all uh, got movie uh, cancer. <laughs> They don't intermingle, they don't intermarry, and they both live on this island, which means both of these f- families are hopelessly inbred. That's the Irish for you, I guess. <laughs> oh, oh, no.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what... Hey, rem- I, I, like I said, I'm from a place called East Anglia in England, and it's famous yeah. for its inbreeding, so I can say that. It's fine.
0: Okay, all right. Yeah, from one inbred to a person to another, you can say. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. um,
0: here's the thing. Romero only presents Irish people in his movies as... Comically Irish, like you said, and comically alcoholics. Yes, or yes. and the entire plot. Okay, we had Ben and Harry and I, the Living Dead, and it's two men who, the further the situation goes, the the deeper they dig their heels in, and it ultimately leads to their undoing. We've covered this now one, two, three, four, five times. This is the sixth time, and he just boils it all down to it's Hatfield and McCoys and zombies. This Irish guy hates that Irish guy and uh, they want to kill each other. And that's the int- And then, like, somehow there's this, this, you know, Coast Guard group or Navy group or whatever Marines or the Army or whatever the fuck they're supposed to be. Um, they get caught in the middle of it. Yeah. This is a movie, which I'm about of touch. They have a guy watching broadcast television on a laptop standing in a field after the world has ended.
1: It doesn't like, doesn't like Muldoon or whatever, have like a promotional video that they watch. Yes. <laughs> it Come is to a promotion. It's an island off the coast of Delaware.
0: <laughs> he's been <laughs> exiled from the island and he's created a business where he's like, Oh, the zombies got you down there. Come on <laughs> over to me island. And it's, oh, <laughs> and it's like,
2: God. you don't even
0: live there. And then, come to find out, every fucking non-Irish person they've sent to this island, the Muldoons have just murdered at the docks and left their bodies to rot. And he's he's like, oh, I didn't realize this is what they were doing with all those people. What did you think they were doing? Because he can't step foot on the island. This is this film. How did we get here, Richard? He writes a script about a, a ferry that takes people to a island where where they're just living among the dead and one of the guy's twin daughters jane or jen or whatever rides a horse but she's a zombie zombie
1: yeah and she's just she just rides the horse endlessly around
0: and the horse uh, never needs to be fed or water the horse isn't a zombie
1: (laughs) it's it's a living horse like if she was just, she might as well be going around on a quad bike that never needs refueling. Yes! Just the way. I, I remember, so firstly, I don't know if you've ever watched any of our gaming live streams, but my my uh, former housemate Ivan that I used to do gaming stuff with, he's Irish. And uh, oh I watched God. it with him. He was very not impressed. <laughs> <He was> very, <laughs> and to be fair, <laughs> the baseline <laughs> amount of being impressed for this film is not very but it yes, was just correct like, oh correct jesus christ like i felt like it's like being kicked in the head by a pony do you know what i mean it was just like i, I <laughs> everything about this i was just watching it, just going like what the fuck mate like what the
0: fuck are you doing i because I, here's the I, thing you're, you're oh, right God. he's telling the stories at this point he wants to tell he wanted to and tell this on that story. budget
1: on that tiny budget this is the movie he wanted to make i you know I, I get he was getting on and stuff, and I don't want to disrespect him. I did say that he yeah, had the decency to die, which is quite disrespectful. <laughs> um, which is really a compliment but, if you think about it. Uh, well, yeah, if you really kind of you want to reverse engineer that, but I just sort of yeah, this holds so little for me. It has nothing for me at all. Nothing about it is good. I, I, I just it's completely irredeemable. Like I've watched it twice now. Thanks, Jason. Um, <laughs> and it was just. Uh, <laughs> it's it's just such a mess it's just this stupid mess and it's like okay but you know if he made this exact same film for 200 million dollars for warner i'd be like Mm. oh get fucked but he didn't this is what he made to make so fair play to him on that
0: level yeah, it's like a. It's a, This is completely independent with some co-production company he created with so another guy, and uh, I think this movie has so few ideas, it's less offensive because it is so dumb. There's so little beneath the surface. There's so little going on here. It's it's quite literally just about two feuding Irish clans who are not in 1715 or 1835. They're in. I was, uh, presumably 2009. <laughs> they're in modern times, but they talk like they're just off the potato boat. They just landed here, and they don't even. You know, it's just it's bizarre. It is absolutely bizarre. But I find I find Diary of the Dead has more ideas and more to say, and th- but is a greater disappointment because it's he's like the wrong guy and he's out of touch. He's definitely out of touch sure. here because who the fuck wanted this movie? But it's not about. There's no social commentary to this other than well, people are in generally shitty to each other over stupid things. <laughs> but all don't of the leave Irish are people about on that. an island
1: don't yeah, zombie right.
0: horses. This is a metaphor I mean, for zombies having horses. I get, Well, I guess the social commentary here is that the Irish are dirty people. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's it. well that's it is it. though it's like what are you saying like what is right this? It's like well like, the
0: Irish are dirty <laughs> you can't trust an irishman like you know how you feuding idiots you know how, you know how, you know how you know, your grandpa is a really like sweet guy really nice guy but he gets a little old and he starts saying stuff that doesn't quite make sense you know it's like wait a minute like he's like all of a sudden he's just sort of like i don't know i've never trusted an irishman and you're like, wait, what grandpa What would you say? It's like, oh, they're dirty people. You're like, wait, you can't say that, grandpa. was <laughs> like, ah. Come from? No. <laughs> Too late, don't, I just did. Yeah, don't trust the Irish I mean, around your wallet or your booze. Just, and you're like, that's what, it's like. his last film statement is just basically like, the Irish are dirty, they're illiterate, and they'll steal your booze, <laughs> stay away from them. <laughs> in, in, defa-
1: in, de- in defense of, of, of that, my, my dad has dementia, and if anything, it's made him less racist and <laughs> <laughs> um, my dad's so racist he thinks porridge is spicy so <laughs> <laughs> like, like,
0: <laughs> okay well maybe the opposite effect they mellow just, out with it.
1: just uh, you know but i do think that uh, we should perhaps <laughs> link this film to the concept of senility um it is, it is <laughs> what it. it <laughs> Because i take your point, because what, what Diary of the Dead is? Like, Diary of the Dead is kind of embarrassing because it's going to take on an issue, and, and it fails. Yes. Whereas this, you kind of, I get your point in that it's just like, do you know what? This is so dumb. If I just cut loose, fuck it, who cares? If I just yes. enjoy this, if I just watch this, then... Yeah,
0: know. it's just it's just like a, it's like a Western, but it's with Irishmen on an island during the zombie apocalypse, but the zombie apocalypse part's over. They're trying Whoa. to get a zombie to eat a pig. There's like a 15-minute scene yeah. where they're like, that zombie's <laughs> been in that stall that pig for three days. And then and then, uh, and, and, just, and then he's just like, well, kill the zombie. Let us eat the pig. And I'm like, do you really want to eat a pig that's been in a sh- confined space with a rotting corpse for a week? I don't. Yeah. That because something like fell idea, off so. that zombie and that pig ate it. And now you're going to eat <laughs> yeah, that yeah. pig. And how do you know you're not going to be zombified? And, and then uh, it's just, it's... It's fucking stupid. It doesn't make any sense. It's about feuding it's families. Really it's junk. Stupid.
1: That's the kind of... But then, because Dawn... This is the thing. It's so hard to marry this up because Dawn of the Dead is really cartoony, as I said. Yes. Dawn of the Dead is quite yes. cartoony. Land of the Dead is yes. quite cartoony. And, and it's kind of... This is very cartoony, but it's like, yeah, but no, but in a, those were cartoon in a good way. This is not... <laughs> like,
0: no, like it really is. And annoying. then, like, the, again, what, what little social commentary there is is so obvious on the nose. The final shot of the movie is the two feuding... Patriarchs who are now zombies, barely able to hold guns, still trying to shoot them each other. They're going to be forever.
1: Uh, So, did you know about Road of the Dead?
0: No. It's a a movie called Road
1: of the Dead. Well, it's what George Romero was going to do next, supposedly. And his son was supposed to be kind of seeing it through. And I feel like it's one of these things that perhaps COVID fucked it, but nothing's been heard of it for a while. Yeah. But um, his it was called Road of the Dead, and it was basically like NASCAR with zombies. And it's like, Jesus, did you Christ. have something prescient to say about NASCAR? NASCAR <laughs> what with was zombies. Your, like, well, yeah, it seemed to be the idea like they had zombies driving kind of cars like Death Race two thousand style or something. And it's like, <sighs> did you really, uh, did you really, remember uh, <laughs> really want to stick it to
0: NASCAR? Was that the okay? I- I Again, I don't want to mock anybody. We're all going to get it to a certain age. But you remember when Stan uh, Stan Lee was just being wheeled around to conventions by his unscrupulous manager? He didn't know where he was. (laughs) They were like forcing him to sign They were like grabbing him by the hand and he was writing autographs and stuff. That's what it feels like. It feels like at this point in his career, somebody's going, okay, George, what's the next idea? Because they're just thinking, there's got to be one more spark of genius in there. And he's like, uh... Zombie race cars, ah, uh, yeah, z- zombie race cars, <laughs> smoking race cigarettes cast. with his, yeah, one <laughs> of the zombie, one of the zombies, uh, one the zombies, uh, our, uh, our cowboys, they're like, yeah, it's gold, George, gold, Irish cowboys,
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, fucking, fucking bless him, you know, I don't want to mock yes. the old bugger, you know, and he's one of my, yes. like genuine inspirations and heroes, um. But you, this is just so mad.
0: I've got so it much is. to
1: say about it. It's just the. It's just mad. It's just like fucking hell. Just so, it does feel. You know what? It's the yeah. It's a cinematic equivalent of forging your dad's signature for a will. You know Bingo. what I mean? Like it's yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. like okay. So who got power of attorney
0: over him to make yes. this film
1: happen? Like, exactly.
0: Yeah, you know, like this is highly right. And it, this could have been directed by anybody. It could have been. I mean, honestly, I've seen shows out of Canada, like t- like low-budget TV shows in Canada that make it to, like, off-network U.S. stations four years later look better than this. Yet right. somehow, remarkably, I find it less obnoxious and less stupid, as stupid as it was, or less offensively right. stupid as it's Diary good. of the Dead <sighs> So I'm only giving it a quarter of a point more. So it's a 5.25 out of 10. It's my number five for the week. Yikes. It's very boring, too, <laughs> though. I should put that out there. It's very boring. Yeah, it's not. I, this
1: is the thing, isn't it? There's the argument on one hand that you can sort of entertain. You like, oh, well, it's entertaining for me because it's stupid. But it's actually just quite dull. It it's very dull. to fucking yep. get going. Like, it's not fun. It's no. not like The Room or Birdemic or something.
0: No. No. You know. So uh, what would you I give know, it out of 10?
1: Six, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's the last one. Uh, I don't know, like
0: three. <laughs> it doesn't matter. You give no, it,
1: it a three. It's, it's so. like
0: doesn't matter. It's like, it's like
1: fucking, I don't know, I give it pigeon out of 10. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's time for our recap. I know you're not going to remember any of your numbers, but that's fine. Coming in dead last for me is Diary of the Dead, which is a five out of 10. Coming in at uh, number five is Survive of the Dead, which would give a 5.25 out of 10. Coming in at number four, Day of the Dead. I'm sorry. Seven that out of 10. Coming in number three, <laughs> Land of the Dead, 7.25. Only slightly better. Uh, coming in number two is Dawn of the Dead. Shocking even to myself. Nine out of 10 and number one, what I believe to be a stone-cold classic and arguably the beginning of modern horror as we know it, Night of the Living Dead. So you have a 10 out of 10. And I don't do that very often, but I do think it is, uh, for what it is, it is perfect.
1: Uh, how did I rank these? Yeah, so I, obviously, fucking, we just came off of bloody survival, then diary, uh, yep. then land. This yep. quite, it sort of works backwards quite easily. Then night then Dawn, then Day. But like I said, Dawn and Day jockey proposition for me. I just think they're so good. So that's- Dawn my- and
0: Day you said were equal tens and then uh, uh, Night of the Living Dead, you think it's a, a, about a nine is what you- say, It's like a, it's a nine, a yeah.
1: They really follow yeah. the I have I have a video called Knights of the Living Dead, Night 1990, which is uh, my my rallying defense of the Tom Savini remake of Night of the Living Dead, which I really genuinely love. And I think, I think it fits in as the kind of stepchild of these movies. I, I think it's a really brilliant film. And, uh, and I spent loads of time with my pal, pal Duncan recreating scenes from Night of Living Dead in a real grave. I did black and white to make it, so. All right, well, that means <laughs>
0: <laughs> being added to the guest list is day, as I tape it in, day of the dead. Film Twitter erupted in controversy over the results of beach brawl outside interference resulted in the first ever LMS disqualification. Now, the Lady Wan and the reigning defending world's LMS champion, DW Lundberg, will settle their heated rivalry in a digital steel cage match. The challenger, the Lady Wan, will have to decide between the Shawshank Redemption or films on this season's shortlist, which includes Shrek, The Fly, Silent Hill, Looper, and Night of the Living Dead. On the other side, the champion, D.W. Lundberg will have to decide between defending Casablanca for an unprecedented third time or move on to films selected by our guest, which includes Shrek 2, Videodrome, Lara Croft Tomb Raider, Looper, and Day of the Dead. Make sure you're subscribed right here to Binge Movies so that next week you can hear all the exciting action of last movie standing, Fallout.
2: This is one Lord,
0: I hope this isn't another pump and dump. I hope you will we'll come Dudes, back. Dude, invite re- me
1: back. Send me an email. I'll come back whenever you want. I'm a <laughs> slut. I don't care. You come back whenever you just fucking send me an email. I'll come back. I've got nothing um, better to do, do you- honestly. I would go to the opening of an envelope. <laughs> I don't give a shit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what do you got going on that you can actually talk about? Because all joking kidding aside, um, you got a lot going on, but not a lot of it you can talk about because you're doing some high-profile stuff. So So I just spent a
1: month gaffering on a film called Wolf Manor, which is directed by Dominic Brunt. And that is a uh, werewolf movie set in england um that we made in the countryside we had sean harrison as who created our werewolf who uh, worked on darth maul i think he worked on definitely uh avengers he's worked on various star wars and game of thrones
0: amazing wow. picture guy
1: um and that was a very it was uh the guy who paid for that movie he wanted everything to be he wanted sean harrison he wanted everything to be done in camera so it's a more or less hundred percent uh, practical effects movie, and I was gaffling, wow. so I was in charge of lighting and electricals. I'm really excited to see that come out. That'll be at Fright Fest in England, hopefully, in October. Um, that was the the last big thing I did. Um, wow. I'm developing some feature stuff with somebody else. My short Type G Bleed, which you may have heard of, is now finished, and we're entering wow. that, that into all the festivals. Um, and if you go to com, you can learn more because I'm quite excited. I'm very excited about Type G Bleed, it's a thing we made for. Two thousand um, dollars, because it was paid for by a guy called Bob uh, Bill, Bill Bossert, sorry, in the states, um, and he bankrolled the whole thing. And he gave us two thousand wow. US dollars to make. And I think it looks more expensive than that when you watch it. I hope. I think it is. I think it looks more expensive than two thousand um, bucks. So that's my main thing. That's I directed. I wrote and directed that. So I'm excited for that to come out.
0: Well, the folks at home can't see it, but the lighting in your room is getting progressively spookier as we enter the spooky, <laughs> spooky season. But here's the thing, dear listener. Each of us has a reason every day to be afraid because spookiness is not just a season. It is the edge of our annihilation. We are all close to the very end of all things, each one of us, individually and corporately. We live on the brink. And George Romero was constantly reminding us Memento more, remember that you will die. And some things are worse than death. And those things are the last two George Romero films, unfortunately. (laughs) We're heading into spooky season. We're heading into the end of season 6.3. Last movie standing is just around the corner. So until next time, binge on.